Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome back to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thanks so much for being with us here for episode number 107 it is monday november 26 2018 hope you had a good thanksgiving i of course am joe Morata. that is mr michael quinn how you doing there michael howdy diddy nice to see you again sir after thanksgiving good yeah. times uh gobble gobble yeah and, uh, it's, folks, a good, it's a good gimmick it's a good gimmick and speaking of gimmicks here we don't have any we're just gonna romp you through the world of retro wrestling we have some great stuff in store for for you. We thank you as always for joining us. Quinn, before we get to any of our fantastically retro wrestling topics, I want to remind you guys out there, if you have a Twitter and you haven't followed us yet, you can do that. You can do that over at OVP Podcast on Twitter, and you can also email us if you want. You can do that at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, on the old internet there, there's a great place to talk to you, to talk to me, and to talk to a bunch of other retro wrestling fans. And where would that be, Michael? That is Facebook.com. Whoa. Slash gobble. <laughs> and now, what goes on at this group? How do you get there? What's the whole story, Michael? So you go over to Facebook.com slash gobble in mm-hmm. your web browser. <laughs> in the search bar at the top, you type our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast boom it'll show you the pr thing yeah there's and a the pr group. page yep. hit the group hit, hit the group. join you're in that's the it. operators standing by doing their stuff no cod's of ah, course damn we just let you in we let you in and we talk about the retro wrestling together and we do it as a community we have fun doing it we have tried to make ourselves a very warm welcoming especially with the holiday season now you know we're yeah. almost into december it's a warm fuzzy time to be nice to each other when it comes to guys like Tony Gurria. Yeah, and yeah. Santa Claus and Bret Hart. <laughs> it's no. such a festive thing. It's very festive. Jake Georgian, of course, likes to uh, liken it to the middle school lunch table. You like to liken it to the Ellis Island of wrestling. We are, yes, because we welcome everyone, whether you're of any retro wrestling background. That's right. If you only like the WWF, let's say, or maybe you were raised and reared on the AWA like Ruben Vasquez Jr. was. Or the World Championship Wrestling. Maybe you like the championship. Uh, Maybe you like the Smoky Mountains where there's no smoke, by the way. Maybe you only like WWF Championship Wrestling. Right. That's fine, too. Come one, come all, come on already. Get over there. Get over to the Facebook group. It'll be a really good time. It's a really fun, positive environment to talk about really old wrestling matches of guys pretending to fight. Yes, fake fighting. (laughs) Fake fighting. And also, later on in the show, we'll have some more detailed information. But if you'd like to donate to us, you don't have to. We won't be upset. But if you'd like to, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And stick around later. We'll have some mentions of our friends of the show. But Quinn, all season long here on OVP. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about what's on our minds, right? Each week, we'll give each other just a little slice of wrestling that's on our minds, right? It could be, you know, as it pertains to the retro, maybe current mixed with retro. It could be anything, really. It could be anything. And this week, it's my pick, Quinn. And what's on my mind lately? And I've been thinking about this a little bit here and there. Nothing particularly, you know, brought this on. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about the evolution of the promo. That is a mystery. In, <laughs> in wrestling. Now... Promos in wrestling 
these days are ubiquitous, meaning talking is all over the place. You got talking in the ring, you got talking backstage, you got skits in the WWE, right? They got a lot of skits. Why exactly did you set up a makeshift studio in the storage room? We've come a long way in wrestling. Yeah. From the old school. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, the promo yeah. used to be more akin to what you'd think of as like a locker room interview, like a sports interview. Yeah, like if you were watching the NFL and they they interviewed uh, Tom Brady or sure, something. I've heard of him. Yeah, the football man. Yeah, he's a quarterback. Yes, he's a quarterback Pretty who plays good one. football. Yeah. Um, if you have him on your fantasy team, generally you can win. That's great to know. Yeah. And it kind of was very professional in the sense that Let's say you take like a, a Lance Russell, mm-hmm. a Gordon Soley, or even in the WWF with Vince McMahon himself back in the 70s, yeah. 80s, you have the straight lace announcer. That inter- was the prevailing style. Right. Interviewing the wrestler, heel or face. And a lot of them were kind of generic, like, yes, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Well, I'll tell you what, Gary Hart's done it once and for all. He stuck his nose in the tribal nation's business. And then you'd have your standouts, you know, your really good talkers, your uh, Arn Andersons, for example. Yeah. Your or, Jerry Lawler's and down in Memphis. even earlier, like superstar Billy Graham, Dusty Rhodes. A lot of people ask me, said, I told you so. Say, I told you it's going to happen. That's fine. I don't blame nobody but myself, you understand? I have no animosity to anybody but myself. But the style was, here's a guy interviewing another guy quick you know two minutes maybe three minutes yeah to the point whether it was good or bad i'm talking about the presentation of it right Right. and it was all designed just to make you go to the live show i mean that's basically it's like i'm gonna be down in the omni this weekend um come one come all because in that very same omni you are no longer immortal you're just a man like me you can be hurt and you can bleed and if you can bleed you can be beat And then later on, as uh, things progressed in wrestling with the advent, so to speak, of Vince McMahon's rock and wrestling style and the sports entertainment-ness of it in the 80s, in the mid-80s, you'd have the locker room interviews that were eventually not even real locker rooms. You know, it was the locker room set with Sean Mooney. Brutus the Barber, Beefcake, what are you doing? Steroids. But still the same basic concept, right? A guy, a dork holding a mic. Yeah, it was it was like the modernized, I guess, like more television-y version of it. Yes. But it was the same thing. And even WWF was doing that before with the Vince McMahon pre-tapes. Yes. Like where he would be standing in front of the ring before the show started. Correct. Just so they could, I guess, the audio would be better. So, because there's some people yelling over it. Yeah, know? and they could do retakes and stuff right, like yeah. that. Right. By the time we hit the mid-90s, specifically, it felt like around 1996 going into 97, we had what a lot of people have termed the 20-minute opening promo on Raw. Right. But this this spurred it over into WCW and ECW. I feel like the design behind it was actually like a good idea because here's, here's the thing. What they used to do with it, it would be 20 minutes at the beginning because it would just set the table for what everyone was arguing about the whole show. Usually on a television show... You don't have time to hype the main event for a couple weeks. True. You know what I mean? You yeah. just so this You normally would, do it week to week. Right. So th- it would usually present some situation where the heel was a big dick to the face. Right. And like there was some sort of controversy and maybe the, the commissioner or somebody would need to come out and be like, hey, okay, stop fighting on the yes. mic. Like we're going to have a match tonight and this is what it's going to be. And it's usually the big feature contest of the night. Yeah. I'm going to make this a tag team match. No one cares! 
And a lot of times in the early days of the 20 minute opening promo, there was still someone moderating it. Right. Vince in his raw jacket or JR in his raw jacket. You know, someone would be in there conducting this thing. Right. And there was still a sense of this is a sports program. And here's a person getting a word with someone for the benefit of the fans at home and the fans in the arena. Yeah. And and a lot of times it would help build off of what happened last week or maybe the pay-per-view the night before. Right. It was like, generally, I remember the pattern always being that like, you know, like someone, whoever main evented the show last night, Stone Cold, and he won. And it's like, oh, congratulations (laughs) on your victory. Right. Exactly. Who do you have your sights set on next? Yep. who do you want to defend the title against? Right. Do you, do you have some beef with somebody? It's exposition, right? Yeah. It's Or it's the airing of grievances like Festivus. Right, exactly. Right? I got a lot of problems with you people. Or, for example, like Shawn Michaels the day after he won the title, God's, God's Green, Green Earth. Earth right? yeah. <laughs> All that stuff. I'm the best on God's Green Earth. I've been prancing or whatever. But somewhere as the 90s started to get later and later, we got rid of the moderator of these in-ring big interviews. Right. Their music would just hit and they'd come out and they had a mic. How? And that's that's where I start to get caught up because that style still goes to this day. You hate that. 20 years later. I hate the idea now. And I'm not I don't say this. Oh, wrestling used to be better. It's a little bit more of a mix, though. Now, Joe. Now it got better more recently because they got Renee Young. (laughs) But for 20 fucking years, it's two wrestlers or three or eight with stupid big microphones just talking, having conversations that should be had backstage in private. In pieces, no less. Because <laughs> yeah. I, that was the other thing that, to me, the current version of the 20-minute promo is a weird version that like developed in WCW and WWF over time that used to be split up over many different segments throughout yes. the night. Right. But now they just combine it all in one. That's no big deal. I know you don't care that he's here. I don't care if he shows up either. I'll take a forfeit when I advance in the finals. Oh, shut up, that. shut up, Dolph. You're not taking a forfeit. And it's tough because for me as a fan sitting at home watching this, to see people reading these like horribly scripted promos <laughs> and poorly acting, it's such a contrast. And this is really what I wanted to talk about now, the right. meat of the, the segment here. It's such a contrast from the days of the 80s, 70s, you know, even early 90s, where you could get a quick succinct point across right. in a couple of minutes. Now, regardless of what the point was, right, whether yeah. it was a good angle or not, it was succinct. It was quick. And character development did not take that long. For example, the Jake Roberts promo that everyone fawns about, about Elizabeth at Tuesday in Texas, yeah. fondly remembered, right? Right. How long do you think that was? What, two minutes? Two minutes, three minutes. Or what about Longfellow couldn't have said it better himself from WrestleMania 6? Yeah, well, a Jake's, minute. Jake's one. Another one I just think of, and this is just a general thing, I thought the master of all of this was Ric Flair. Five minutes. Yeah, in he, and out. He and that would the the thing about Ric Flair that I thought was interesting about him is he would take five minutes. He would either entertain you, be funny, say he's going to be at the Omni. Yeah, here's my hotel room. Right. But all in that same five minutes, he'd be like, "Fuck you, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. You're an asshole. I'm going to kick your ass. Right. These are the four horsemen. They're my guys. Right. Right. Screw you. Right. And like that's all he would do. Like they would hype. Ric Flair talking for five minutes. It's true. And he would get across some shit. Everything he needed to. Everything he needed to in five minutes. It would be entertaining. Everyone in the crowd was into it. And everyone at home was into it. It advanced the story. Correct. Everything was nicely wrapped up right there. I felt like World Championship Wrestling on Saturdays at 6.05 was wrapped around 
Ric Flair saying where the show was going to go next. Right. And that's absolutely true. And then right. even on north of the border there, right? Yeah. Up north of the Mason-Dixon, Hulk Hogan wasn't like constantly having 20-minute dialogues with his opponents. Right, yeah. He'd have his short little stupid Hulkamaniacs promo, and that'd yeah. be that, right? We're hanging and bunging. And- We're hanging and bunging. But even Piper's Pit was what? Five minutes? And Piper's Pit is a, uh, was a brilliant, I felt, evolution, as you were saying, yeah. of the promo. Right. They had tried this wrestler talk show thing and Victory Corner and all this. Rogers Corner. Rogers Corner and all this shit. To my left, I have Tony Atlas. To my right, I have Rocky Johnson. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. They lucked out because they got lucky early. With with, Piper. Like only a couple months or maybe a year or two into trying that style. Yes. They stumbled on Brody Piper, who... One of the best all-time talkers, obviously. I mean, the big... Starting the first big moment on that thing of the weeks of him doing that was the uh, Snooka pineapple or whatever in the head. Uh, uh, coconut, coconut yeah. yes. You want a banana? Have a banana. What do you want, man? Am I making fun of you? Whoa. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. I mean, they were off to the races. All of a sudden, Piper's Pit, you never knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Because the thing that was interesting to me about Piper's Pit Versus like most other stupid things like that that they did afterwards, like Edge's rated R show or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Was that Piper's Pit was this mix of like, well, he could just be talking about some wrestler's other feud, right? With that. Yeah, right. Or he could get really mad at the guy and start his own feud. And yeah. you just had no idea. It, right. It, could, it like, was very volatile, that right, show. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of things could happen there. You want to fight Andre? You're going to find out one thing. You do not throw rocks at a man who's got a machine gun. It was great the way they used to just get their points across quickly. Now, I understand that in order for there to be conflict, there should be some type of dialogue. Right. Back in the day, though, that dialogue was funneled down by the announcers in a much more, I don't yeah. know, coherent way. Yeah. And here's what I wanted to ask you, Quinn. Sure. Do you think that all this talking that goes on these days, there's tons of talking. Everyone's talking. We're all talking, 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 I mean, talking. That's the name of the game. Remember that? Yeah. You know what? That was something that I said to you in private. Do you think it's a little too much sometimes? Um, I'm not saying get rid of all of it. I think they need some kind of exposition. I mean, there is no yes. wrestling without promos. You need promos. I, I know think, that. I do think the moderator thing is necessary. Like, that, to me, is what broke down a lot of it. Yes. Was Even if you have a Renee Young, and the reason I bring her up specifically yes. is because she's not... What she's are your, not like other girls. Get the other girls, or even guys, yes. uh, it's just like, how do you feel? What are your thoughts? Which, oh, yeah. is, which is basically just uh, like feeding them to do a 20-minute promo, which, essentially. Which I didn't like, because obviously you go back to the good people like Mean Gene, and Renee does this, too. She asks questions after they answer <laughs> yes. them. Like, she asks a follow-up question, <laughs> which is an interview. You know what I mean? Like that's what I mean, that's what right? I like about her. That's, that's why I nominated her for like backstage people. Correct. I was like, Thank God somebody yeah. like is doing this right. again because that she's the first one in years <laughs> like that is doing that. And I think that's where I'm getting at. Do you think maybe a little less of the two wrestlers with big stupid mics having conversations in front of the crowd and a little more interview? Yeah, no, there needs to be a person interviewing. <laughs> Guiding them. the thing? Yeah. Because let's face it, whether it's a good talker or not, it can be very painful. 
to sit through scripted promos just all the freaking time. Yeah. You are a sniveling little suck-up sellout full of suffering succotash, son! Here's the other thing that needs to change, personally, for them to really, like, come back into their glory days. Yeah. Is I think they need to get off the scripted. Well, that'll never happen, but well, yes. What, here, I, here's the... What I don't understand is they... Right now, they talk about how... They in the PC they have a special class in an area where we train them how to do promos uh, and stuff. Right? It's amazing. And yes. it's like we even we don't give them a script or anything. Like we just you know give them an idea and they have to go right. Yeah. But it's clearly not like that in the real in world. the real when the on the job training's completed they never do what they were trained yeah, to do. They use an actual script. They use an actual script. So. Get that script guy out of there. We don't need that it, because you're tri- like literally like I bet you what's really funny about all this. Everybody down from like Finn Balor or whatever, you sure. know, guys who are like at the more John top, Cena, John Cena at the top of the card. Right. They know how to do the promos down to the bottom to like the random girls or managers or something like just people who are just they've right. all been trained at this point at the same way like they yeah. know how to cut a promo right just let them do what you train them to do yeah no i fire, agree is it what do they don't want to fire the hollywood writer that they hired like is it would that look bad on them i don't get it i like, don't know i mean i believe me sometimes even if it is a scripted promo there are still some gems out there like a lot of the stuff that becky lynch has been doing lately i know we're talking current but i'm gonna bring it back i have been ground down and spat back up again more times than i can count i have made history i have been tested daily weekly monthly and yet here i am the most relentless person that you have ever met a lot of the stuff that Becky Lynch has been doing lately is yeah. really good, and I'm sure it's all scripted, right. but she's doing it well. Right. Right. She's definitely doing it well. It, the main issue I think I have is that there's so much more time spent talking yeah. these days. There used to be little bits here and there, and they wrestlers got over by talking, no doubt about it, all the way back to Gorgeous George. Right. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. fine. But it feels like there's just so much fucking dialogue now. You think? Yeah, I, I, I don't do, know. I think but maybe I'm less, wrong. I've, I feel like they've lessened the dialogue a little bit. I think the worst of it was like in that 06 through oh, like... Oh, God. 013? Yeah, I don't know. something like that. Yeah. I mean, I try to help her out in her match last week, and then after the match, she slaps me. And you know, what's even worse is that she hasn't even tried to apologize to me yet. I know. I know. But who cares? So I guess what I want to ask you fans at home, you know, you can let us know there. You can do that on Twitter. Go to the group. You can email us. Is What do you think of the current state of promos in wrestling versus the past? Now, there are some great promos that were so short. Like I was mentioning Jake, but not just Jake. Anything by Teddy DiBiase was really good and really quick to I the think, point. I think both the Macho Man and Steamboats at WrestleMania 3 are right. two-minute promos, and they're brilliant. Yeah. History beckons the Macho Man. I will come away with the title. Right. New Horizons. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> New yeah. Horizons. Right. I, I, I'm just saying, I miss that shit more than anything. I miss at the pay-per-views. Yeah. Not just the matches that mattered, but the matches that didn't matter. The, the oh, non-main like, matches, right? right? Yeah. They had, like, literally, they devoted a minute and a half to, like, both competitors saying, like, this is why they hate each other. Right. And then they would just roll out to the ring. Like, it's great. Like, like, nothing. Like, that would be it. And we're even, you mentioned Randy Savage. I was talking about conversations earlier that should be had 
backstage. Yeah. What about the Mega Powers breakup? That didn't happen in front of the ring with microphones. Now, okay, here's the thing that's interesting about that. To me, that's more a precursor to the modern. The it is, but it's done well. Yeah. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Something like that, if it were done in front of the live audience, just like an argument between the two of them all oh, the time. Oh, you're saying you think they would do something like that. <laughs> It'd be goofy. Oh, Randy! But like in the ring. <laughs> yeah, like, like, how dumb would that be? Without like a moderator or anything? <laughs> yeah, silly. So I guess that where I'm getting at is it's more of it's more questions and answers, folks, and questions that you can feel free to answer on our Facebook group or anywhere that you want to communicate with us is what do you think has happened? Maybe I can't put my finger on it. Maybe we're missing something. But I know that you can go back to the 80s, back to the early 90s even, and find some great promo work, just short, little, concise bits that were so good. The Tom Pritchard stuff down from Continental during that whole I'd like Holy to talk shit. to Tom yeah. era. Holy shit, right? Yeah, which eventually we got to do. I hear uh, uh, yeah. I hear the Pizzer did it, but... Uh, People still want us yeah. to have our take on that. I'll, uh, I'll take on. I'd, yeah. I'd like to talk take to Tom. On me. Yeah. <laughs> so, aha, we are going to be uh, coming <laughs> back right here with week seven of Royal Rankings as we add two more competitors to the mix. That'll be coming up right after this. Well, Dr. Tom Pritchard has joined me right now. Gordon, a lot of things have happened to me in my professional wrestling career. I've had a lot of people jump me from behind. I've had three concussions. I've had broken bones. But never in my life have I had someone come up here and have a lady with a black eye ask for me, not once, but twice, to come out here and ask for my help. And when I came out to this set, I came out here to find out what the situation was. Not only did you come back and ask me, but Charlie Platt came back and asked me. She has said she's got a black eye. The dirty white boy beat her up. Well, I wanted to find out what the deal was. I came out and I asked her what happened right here on this set. Right here on this set. And you know, I've been deceived before. I've been deceived one too many times this time, white boy. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast here on Monday, November 26, 2018. It is episode number 107. And before we get to the Royal Rankings, quit did you know, we have a Patreon. Yes, we do. And it's a patreon.com slash podcast. Yes. Now, we have three very simple, very easy rewards tiers there easy less than a cup of coffee all of them yeah they they're, really, they're good they're pretty much all less than a cup of coffee unless it's like a really small coffee now the thing about the patreon quinum and we didn't start the patreon so we could make a ton of money and well, i don't think we did <laughs> i don't think we did i don't think no. we're making a ton of money anyway <laughs> and that's not the point of it folks it's not to fund the monday show that you're listening to right now every single monday the show you're listening to will always be free that's our promise it'll to you. be the freest show in all of wrestling <laughs> oh yeah the, the most, freest the most free okay that's really good you, hear it, that? you know, you put 0.00, we'll add more zeros to that 0. 0.00 if you want. You hear that, folks? Yeah. We're always going to be free. But if you want to give back to us, if you want to donate, we do accept donations. We've we've yeah. enabled that feature. And, uh, it's, it's unlocked. A, <laughs> it's unlocked. Here's the territory. So for $1 a month, every single Monday, you get to see what we're doing like as we're recording the show. Meaning there's a video of this right now. Yeah, it's unbelievable, really. <laughs> I can't believe it. You can see Quinn's extra big soda. Yep. But all that more on the raw footage every single Monday for $1 a month. Not a day. 
Yes. Not a week. A month. A month. One dollar. A dollar? A dollar. Now, if you really, if you're feeling adventurous, you double down and it's two bucks a month. Two whole dollars. Not only do you get weekly raw video, but you also get every other Friday. It's a segment that people have loved for so many episodes and we still do it. It's Mount Rushmore Death Valley Extra. And that's where every other Friday, Quinn and I rank the four best and four worst of something. And it could be anything. And we try to use your suggestions there. It's a great time, right, Quinn? Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It could be about Doink, maybe. It has it, been, It could yeah. be about hats. But it will be. It will be if we get if we hit our goals. Yeah, 50 patrons and we'll do hats. But every other Friday, it's Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extra. That's an audio podcast on a separate feed, and you get to enjoy that every other Friday. And then, really, if you want to get extreme, you can do $3 a month. Wow. Which is Three, crazy. $3. It's crazy. But for $3 a month, you get the raw video every Monday. Every other Friday, you get Rushmore and Death Valley Extra. And then on those other Fridays, you get more video content. And that video content is Quinn and I sitting here in the loft watching WWF from 1982. Yes, it's a, it's an adventure through time. Yeah, it really is. It's and a time Tony Gurria's hair. Tony Gurria's hair is out of control and lately. Danny Davis's hair also. <laughs> it's almost the same hair. Yeah. And you too can find that out if you join us on the $3 tier. And that's it. Those are the tiers that we offer. It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. If you want to donate, and if you don't, you know what? We're just happy that you're listening to this Monday show, honestly. We are. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your family. <laughs> Hide um, your husband. Hide your husband. Hide your kids. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. And hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. So, Quinn, what we've been saying for the last uh, six weeks now, and this is week number seven, oh, is have we? the Royal Rankings. Yes, the Royal Rankings. We've been royally ranking the top ten WWF champions of all time by putting two competitors into the mix each week. And basically what has happened now is we have 12 guys total into the uh, the rankings here, but two guys have gone below the top 10. So we have two more entering now, which means another two are going to fall out of the top 10 this week. So let's see what's going on in the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the I've never been pinned for a three-count, man. I'm better than you are, yeah. Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. I have Prince on God's green earth. You know, I can't tell you how proud I am to be once again World Wrestling Federation champion. And I'm the best wrestler in the world, and can't nobody tell me different. I'll win the championship match again. I think Axe is going to win because I think he's the only one that beat Andre the Giant. It's the Royal Rankings Week 7, and we are here to add two more to the mix there, Michael. But before we do that, why don't we run down the current top 10? Sure. Uh, Still at number one, still holding strong, never give up. It is John Cena. At number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin. At number three, Quinn, despite anyone's dismay, it is still Bret Hart. I don't like that. Sorry. Number four, The Rock. I don't like that either. I yeah, because you be, want him to be above be the Bret. I, I, I still... No, I you should have made a better case. Yeah, well. For number five, Phil Brooks. CM yes, Punk. <laughs> Philip T. Brooks. <laughs> yes. Is that even his middle name? I, I mean. hope so. Uh, for number six, Triple H. Triple Horse. <laughs> number seven, <laughs> Brock Lesnar. Brocky. Yeah. Bro- <laughs> Instead of Rocky. Yeah, Brocky. <laughs> number eight. Rick Flair. Pretty low for him. Huh? Yeah, pretty low. Number nine, Shawn Michaels. Pretty low for him, too, yeah. And number 10, Mankind, who made it in last week. Yeah, just last week. Now, 
people who have been eliminated. Yes. Just so you know, Randall T. Orton. Yes. That's Tiberius Orton. Yes, Tiberius. I think it's actually Kennedy, but whatever. It's not Kennedy. Yeah, RKO, Randy Kennedy Orton. Kenneth, isn't it? Kendall? Uh, it's not Kennedy. I think it's Kennedy. I don't it? think it is. Okay, well, anyway. And Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, Edward Guerrero. Edward G. Guerrero. <laughs> so. Uh, so those guys won't be returning to the top ten. They're out. They're out. It's, they're, people might join them in their outness. Yeah. Like, either that or the next two people that come in might just go right below the top ten. Yeah, we don't yeah. know. Well, somebody's going to get thrown out. One way or another, we're going to have four guys now below the top ten. But, Quinn, without uh, further ado, yeah. why don't we find out who drew number 13? Sure. You think you know me? You think you know him? The Edge Stirk. Remember him? <laughs> yeah. Let's get an education here. So edge. Edge. Uh, what do you think of the Edge Stirk? Huh? I think he just edged his way in. He was at the very bottom of the <laughs> rankings along with Randy Orton as hmm. far as getting in with the fan votes. Now, remember, if anyone has an issue here, maybe you're just joining us. The 20 combatants that are going to all be revealed, you know, by the season finale end. Those are all guys that were voted in. Yes, it is. And Edge is one of those guys that was voted in by you, the fans, as one of the best WWF champions of all time. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know either. <laughs> what I, do you think of Edge well, overall, let's, let's Quinn? let's look at the Edge, sure, huh? So he, um... Well, he debuted in 98. And he had going nof- over his career, he basically did nothing yeah. until he turned heel. Yeah, like, I mean... Basically. Well, his first big angle was with Matt Hardy. Yeah, but that was oh, way before the world title over scene. Over Lita. Over Lita. Yes, you know. I can explain it if you'd like. Yeah, sure. So she was dating Matt Hardy, and right. then she cheated on Matt Hardy in real life. Oh, really? With Edge, and they parlayed that into a wrestling angle. Oh, see, I didn't know that there was actual cheating. I just yes, thought, you that's know, why people cared. I just thought the relationship had ended, and they had put heat by saying like that part was No, that's was really what happened. Wow, that really sucks. And then Matt Hardy really got fired. And then he really came back through the crowd. Remember that? That was good. Alan, you bastard! I'm going to make your life miserable! And Lita, you whore! I'm going to make your life miserable too! And that's kind of what launched Edge into being at least more important. He wasn't in the world title scene yet. Isn't it weird that it didn't make Matt Hardy more important? Don't you think that worked yeah, the reverse way? <laughs> like, that's, that's not right to me, well, but for a brief period of time, I guess Matt Hardy was more important. But anyway, Edge's first foray into the actual world title, his first reign, he beat the Super Cena of 2005. Unbelievable. At New Year's Revolution. Now, January 2006. Would you say that he was the uh, Mr. Money in the Bank when he did that? I don't like the phrase Mr. Money in the Bank, but yes, he was. And not only that, the first Mr. Money in the Bank. (laughs) You're going to keep saying it, aren't you? Because Mr. Money in the Bank (laughs) is a really good thing. I like it. Yeah, he was, though, the first person to ever cash it in, and he used it successfully. This was huge, though, Quinn, because he basically did it like the dicky way after Cena won some match. I don't know who he fought. It was New Year's Revolution. I, yeah, it doesn't matter who I he fought. I want to say there was some kind of elimination chamber That's what involved, it was, yes. Or something with great Kali. I don't know. Like I don't know if Kali was involved, but... Yeah. <laughs> and what was great about this is not only did John Cena win the world title at WrestleMania 21, right. Edge won the money in the bank at WrestleMania 21, and he yeah. held onto it this entire time. It was pretty great. When they first did this money in the bank idea, we weren't really sure how this is going to work, right? Yeah, it was a new concept. It was a brand new concept. Like nowadays, there's always a guy with a briefcase, whether it be in WWE, <laughs> Japan, yeah. Lucha Underground. Like the the briefcase thing is like it's. 
permeated everything. Ubiquitous. I think it's like even been in TNA, like literally the title shot in a briefcase for a year thing. It's a trope like, now. Basically. Yeah, it's just everywhere. Back in my day, the only wrestler with a briefcase was IRS and uh, Mr. Hughes. But I digress. Yeah. And this marked a big change though for John for uh, Edge Quinn because he had been through so many different things. In 98 through 99, he was like gothic mean raven, but then he was a vampire. He was a vampire. He lived in a cavern with the brood right. underneath the stage or something. But then there were dorks yeah. that were jerks. Right. Remember like 2000 and that 2001. That was really good. Like that, that was, was good. when I felt like both Edge and Christian were going to be stars. Like they they were two guys that they were great. They, they had good charisma and they knew like how to get the crowd going. Going yeah. and just they were good wrestlers yep. on top of it and i was like okay both of these guys once this tag team runs its course they're going to go their separate ways and they're both going to be really big stars and so they split up around what 2001 and then yeah. edge has like a rather middling mid-card career so the thing with the edge deal is edge came out of the tag team as the face right yes. he got turned on by christian yeah yeah edge finally becomes a character that stuck out which was the rated r superstar Right. Finally, we have something that actually feels like it could be a main event yeah. character. Because you can't take the dorky version of him all the way to the top, I wouldn't think. No, you can't take the young up-and-comer right. bullshit. He looked like one of the rockers or something he when, he, did. When, when, he, when he first came out he of the kinda, tag team. Yeah, I, exactly. First of all, Lillian, controversy rules. <laughs> so when he beat John Cena, this is a huge deal because Cena had the title, you know, since beating JBL in April of 05. This is January of 06 and now. And he was unbeatable. <laughs> And he did the live sex thing with Lita. Now, that was fun. I don't that know. That was fun. I know it was stupid, but it, it was kind of like unbelievable that they were really kind of going there. Because yeah. I think when it started that that segment, everyone was like, this is just going to be dumb. And they it? kept going, though, which and was it, funny. it went on really long. Yeah. And like it was just like aggravating to watch. But it was interesting. Yeah. But anyway, Cena wins it right back after three weeks mm-hmm. at the Royal Rumble. So that's his first reign. Now, he doesn't have it again until right after... Uh, ECW One Night Stand, as we mentioned with the Cena thing, you know, Rob Van Dam beats him because Edge helps. Yes. At ECW with One the, Night uh, Stand 2. With the biker helmet. Yes, he has the biker helmet That on. was actually, what an awesome pop-in interference. It was, it was great. Because I remember when Edge came in and he did that. Right. He did a spear, but like, for some reason, I remember thinking like, oh, there's a bu- there's a bunch of guys who do spears now, like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, and I was, I was like, who could it be? And then he took it off and it was the obvious, like... It was just hit yeah. you over the head. Oh, wait, it's Edge. It was Edge. It's Edge! Edge! That's the number one contender for... You see this? Wait a minute, Edge! And I thought that was great, but then Edge beats Rob Van Dam only a few weeks later on Raw. Yeah. Now Edge is a two-time world champion, and he has a reign from July to September of 06. He's awesome. He's great. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but it's only two and a half months, and he loses it back to John Cena. Edge doesn't have now that world title again until Survivor Series of 2008. Right, and this is because I believe Edge <laughs> this... gets involved with the big gold belt, doesn't he? Yes, throughout this period of time, Edge is involved with the big gold belt. When he finally is back on the Raw brand, I guess it was by this yeah. point in 08, this is that triple threat match I think we mentioned last week where he wins it... <laughs> 
in a match that involves Vladimir Kozlov <laughs> and Triple H, right? So he dethrones Triple H, who had been good. the champion. Yeah, Nobody good. likes him. Loses it to Jeff Hardy a month later in December hmm. of 08. See, so not yeah. many great reigns here. Wins it from Jeff Hardy at the Royal Rumble 2009. Loses it again in an elimination chamber in February. And guess what, Quinn? What? That's it for Edge having the WWF well, world title. I, I seem to remember it that way. Now, if I recall, Edge has had the W world title, <laughs> WWF world title, whatever it is. The big gold. The big gold. He had that a lot he had more a often. Lot more, and usually when they talk about it, Usually when they talk about anybody now, they combine all of it together, right? They say they've been a eight-time right. world. I think that's what Edge is. I want to say eight times if you combine everything together, which is a lot. That sounds about right. He right. probably had that belt five times. Right. right? But I mean, it's not like he's a joke. No, 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 no. But at the no, WWE no, title level, he really only had that main feud with Cena and he didn't really have any real rivals. Triple H a little. Because every time and also every time he was getting it back, it was essentially he'd get it back and be like, well fuck you, John Cena. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then like start feuding with him again. So here's the thing with Edge, right? I mean, as a champion, good luck. Good luck. Good promos. I actually thought as a champion he was a solid heel champion in his time. I gotta give him that. I like, give I'm, him that too. I'm not gonna say like I don't think he's like Eddie Guerrero levels of crap because like <laughs> wow because well Eddie's like the one two month crap reign. Like, <laughs> he, 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 he is. He might he might even be more memorable than Randy Orton. So I don't know if Edge is actually gonna get knocked off or not. That's, yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But in terms of like him, his overall, he was at the height of his career. I'd say from about 2006 to 2000. 9, 10 when he retired. Right. In which 10 when he had that's to. That's also like, that's like the thing that handicaps him in my eyes, right? Is that he had to retire early. Yeah. He, he wasn't even old. No. He was like 33 when he, re- he was like oh our age God. when he retired like, or something, yeah, right? Like he really was young and, and it was a shame. Now, what was weird about Edge retiring, I will say this is that he retired, yet it felt like it was okay because he'd been around for, like, a long-ass time because he started when he was young. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Yeah, he might have been a little bit older than I was saying, but he wasn't very old when he retired. Maybe 35. I don't don't remember how old he is. But the thing about Edge, when he beat John Cena, you said memorable, that was really a big deal because Cena hadn't been beaten yet and people were getting tired of him. To me, it's it's one of the rare times when Cena really launched somebody. I agree that John Cena putting over Edge launched Edge. Like, successfully. Like, John Cena, I will say this, he attempts to put people over a lot, but this is like an actual, like, he hit the bullseye, right? Like, he... I agree. Like, he he got beat by a guy that was just on the cusp. He just needed a big win. Yep. A lot of times what Cena does when he puts people over is he puts people over that have no reputation yet, like Rusev, for example, right? He didn't really... Rusev didn't really beat anyone to get to this point where... Jack Swagger. Yeah, like where he should be beating John Cena. And that's that's the thing they like to do too much with him. Like, have them beat Cena and leapfrog, but that never works. Edge, on the other hand, was a guy that had this big career buildup. He had a traditional buildup in his career. He just needed, like, this one big win. Yeah. And John Cena allowed that to happen and put him over. You know, it's like the Bret Hart thing. Edge was there for eight long years before he won his first world title. Right. You so know? it felt deserved. It right? was, And I think it was deserved. Right. Like and it wasn't manufactured. It was deserved. But at the same time, the, the putting him over was successful. He all of a sudden felt like, wow, this guy's like one of the better Correct. champions. And yeah. that's why I can see why he was nominated. Like, yes. And it was a job well done by John right. Cena doing that because Edge was 
at that point, 2006 through that period of time. Yeah. He was very charismatic, great as a heel, great look, great promos, good wrestler. I mean, he's a good wrestler. He checked off all the boxes. Yeah. He was the right thing at the right time. Yep. And I thought he did a great job being seen as Macho Man. Yeah, better than Orton did. Yeah, way really. better than Orton. Much I more th- dynamic than Randy Orton. I would say the, t- the two people I equate to being seen as biggest rivals are Edge and CM Punk. Yeah, and then Orton probably a, a, a minor third and behind I, them, and right? And you know what? The, whatever time, of the, it might be a different day of the month. I might say Edge is better than CM Punk is as a rival, as a rival to, to Cena. Or I might say CM Punk is. So that shows yeah. you how like impactful Edge was in that rivalry. And I would say that his 2008-9 run means nothing because no one remembers it. It no. didn't matter. So we're really hinging this on that 06 run. Right. Yep. Okay. So that is Edge. Edge was number 13. Why don't we see who drew number 14? I was hoping we'd get to talk about this gentleman. Man, I, I can hear that Jesus Christ Superstar music playing. I love it. It's Superstar Billy Graham, brother. Brother, man. Now, Billy Graham got a lot of votes, too. What's interesting about him. One time the champion. One time champion. Six months. Well, maybe a little bit longer. That's maybe about 10 months. And yeah, it was pretty. It was almost a year. It was a little. Yeah, it was a little under a year. Yeah. You're right. And he was the bridge between the Bruno San Martino era and the Bob Backlund era. Right. He and was an anomaly. It's bizarre to me that they let him hold it that long in that era as and the heel. That he might be the like the longest heel champion up to that point, right? That they had, yes, definitely. Yeah. He was. Yeah. He absolutely was. Before that, the only two heel champions were Ivan Koloff, who had a, a three-week run to transition was to Pedro. Was Buddy Rogers technically a heel champion? Yeah, but he barely had it. He was he like three months or something. Yeah, right? it wasn't long. Yeah. And then the other one would be Stan Stasiak, who also only had it for like I think nine days or something like that. Man, if Stan St- Stasiak had made this list, I don't even... He, he didn't make the list. He's don't horrible. That, I'm, I'm going to put yeah. that up front. But let's go to Billy Graham here, because Billy Billy Graham is someone that we don't get to talk about too much unless it's karate mode. Yeah, but this is good mode. The Billy Graham of the 70s was unlike any wrestler the WWF had. He basically pioneered a style of like character that became the model for 80s characters, like big baby face yes. characters. And he was a heel. That's what's even weirder about it. How do the people... On the East Coast feel right now at home in your in your TV dinners, sucking on your soda pops, in your French fries. How do the women feel? The ladies right now looking at this body. The three notable people, and we're just introducing you to Billy Graham. I'm sure you know who he is, but if you don't, that were really influenced by him, and you can see it was obviously Jesse Ventura, yeah. who was almost a ripoff entirely of yeah. Billy Graham in terms of look and promos and all that stuff. Yeah. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. And Scott Steiner during yeah. his... Uh, well, I would say Dusty Rhodes is a little bit of a... a like, oh, in, you know what? In, Another in a, one, too. In a way, yeah. Dusty Rhodes in the promoing. Tie-dye. The tie-dye. Also, like the, some of the, that, those aspects. What's interesting is Billy Graham was drawing his influence as a talker and his persona from Muhammad Ali. He thinks that he's the real heavyweight champ, but after I'm finished, he'll just be a tramp. Now, I'm not saying this just to be funny, but I'm fighting Ernie because he needs the money. And Muhammad Ali drew his inspiration from Gorgeous George. I saw a wrestler once named Gorgeous George, and the place was jam-packed with people. Cars was lined up for miles. They hated Gorgeous George. They wanted him to be, but they paid $100 a ringside seat. 
It all goes back to Gorgeous George, It always goes back to Gorgeous George, huh? It does. It's crazy. But now in terms of Billy Graham as a WWF champion, man, this was such a big deal because we talked about, you know, beating John Cena. Right. When Edge beat John Cena. I mean, this really, his victory over Bruno really (sighs) put him over. Now, he did do it in a heel fashion. Of course. He put his feet on the ropes, if I recall. He did. He did a flare pin, right? The feet on the ropes pin. Billy Graham beat Bruno Sammartino in April of 1977. This was... In a smoky bar somewhere. Have you ever seen the footage of that? It's like like 10 millimeter. I I always get the millimeters wrong. Whatever. It's 8 millimeter (laughs) or something. No, it'd probably be 16. 16. Uh, But (laughs) Billy Graham... Ended Bruno San Martino's second run as champion. Bruno had had it since December of 1973. Right. So almost four years. The run that started beating what? Uh, Stasiak. I, Stasiak? Yeah, the okay. Stasiak run. Okay. So Bruno's second time around, Billy Graham beat him, and people were cheering. Some people were cheering for this. Yes, they it were. it was such a big deal that this likable bodybuilder type who hadn't been there too long yep. was now the world champion. Graham obviously dazed here at the moment. But still very much in the match on his feet. And really going to work out. Oh, took his foot down. Graham, what a cover. Two, three, a cut. It's over. The fans were used to um, sweaty, hairy um, wrestler catches catch can types. <laughs> yeah, your ethnic heroes like Bruno and Pedro. Right. Here's a guy from Los Angeles and, <laughs> and a tie-dye and he gets down on one knee and then poses with his muscles. Right, and like, what a look, right? Yeah. There are those here who certainly are in your favor, those who are not, Mr. Graham. Some are booing, some are cheering, but nevertheless, there's pandemonium tonight. There's excitement. Look at the people's faces. Now, they had to have gotten Super Macho Man from a oh, Punch-Out. Yeah. That's Billy Super Graham, Ma- right? Super Macho Man from Punch-Out is like the exact <laughs> same thing. Yes. The gray hair, like the bleached hair, yeah, you know like what I mean? The, the strain, the strainy hair, that like thin <laughs> yes. hair that he the has. The posing. Yeah. That's Billy Graham. Billy Graham is hard to explain without seeing him and hearing him, but his look, it seems more standard now and it would right. definitely seem standard throughout the 80s into the 90s the steroided up the bodybuilder type but in like 1977 i want to say this yes, is right this was huge. this was unheard of we, we were getting away from these big mainstream things and like these smaller movements were taking hold and yes. I, I don't know this rebellious nature and i felt like billy graham he's a rebellious champion he is a rebellious champion he, because- there's just something about him well, Quinn, since 1963, this had been Bruno's yard. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, literally, for almost 15 years. With one break for with, Pedro. With one where break. everyone was sleeping, I guess, while Pedro was the champion. <laughs> but Pedro's almost Bruno anyway, just much worse, yeah. right? It's, it's the same thing. I mean, he was so bad that he, they actually were like, we need to bring Bruno back. <laughs> it's true, actually. But for 15 years, it had been pretty much the same thing. Yeah. That type of champion. A face champion, a nice guy at working class, you know, for the people. Right. And now all of a sudden you got this guy, like you said, from Los Angeles, you know, who talks with a very charismatic style. And, you know, our favorite promo, I am the champion. I am the greatest. This This is is my my belt. I am the champion. I am the greatest. I am the strongest. This is my belt. He was so different. And a lot of people have said, I've heard this said, that he should have had a longer run than six months, than a year. Actually, um, I've watched the Billy Graham documentary. And it's fantastic. Ending, and ending his run early really damaged his ego. Yes, um, it did. As far as like a lot of times we attribute an ego as a bad thing. But in this case, this was the kind like this was a situation where they damaged his ego beyond repair to the point where as a person, 
he was just grasping at straws to get back to where he was. And, and then he's going on Donahue lying about stuff that happened. Right. Like he was just, he was just so distraught. Now, like in real life, he was. Yeah. Now, I don't care for Billy Graham as a, a person, honestly. Right. Because I well, think he's he, done a lot of scummy things. Well, he went down a scummy path because they took the belt away. I mean, that's well, He always attributes that, like him ending his run. Well, boo the fuck who? Yeah. I'm just saying. Like, they took it off Brett, too, and you don't give him any sympathy. No, I don't. All right. I, I'm not giving. Graham sympathy, but I this situation just to the it's like to the point he where got I, depressed. Didn't yeah, he? like I feel bad. I like don't. it's like they really like eh. did a number on him. I guess so. But one way or another, and listen, folks, there's not much else to talk about. He had a ten month run. He won it from Bruno. He lost it to Backlund. Yeah, that's all there is about it. It's it's Billy Graham, the character in between those times. But that unlike in Eddie Guerrero, it was a yeah. pioneering big. Oh, it was a big deal. Shift. It was a big like a deal. Very big. Thing that's different and influenced a lot of people. I don't see people influenced by Eddie Guerrero's two month reign. I don't think so. Yeah, or four month, whatever. Four. And here's the other thing: like you mentioned at the top of talking about him, the previous heel champions that they had had. You know, you had Ivan Koloff for like three they were weeks. Placeholders. You had Stan Stasiak for nine days. Yeah. It should say a lot about how good Billy Graham was, or at least how different. The fact that, that they could, had it on him. That yeah, long. the fact that he could get Vincent J. McMahon the old yes, man to right. sign on for this for this long for almost a year this is a guy who literally was as conservative as you could get with wrestling booking you he know really I mean? was, it was i mean it's he, just like the baby face should always be the champion that and, was their style the heels come after him every week chase him every chase month him, but never catch garden. him yeah, yeah like and that's how it should be and to have you know the old the old man mcmahon sign on for this for for 10 months vince mcold man vince mcold man was is saying something they believed in this character and it was a revolutionary character like we've yeah. mentioned you know and it they drew believed in, in the guy playing it too yeah and as they should have he was very talented there's not much else to say he wasn't a good wrestler no but i mean <laughs> not at all here's the difference between him and jesse the body is that <laughs> like, please please say it. they're yes. both bad wrestlers yes but like one of them has infinitely more charisma and that's billy yeah. graham and, yeah and he, he didn't need to be a good wrestler and i guess on one final note on billy graham that i just like to always point out how ironic is it that Billy Graham and Jesse Ventura are both great talkers. Yeah. Both awful wrestlers. One of them was only good at talking while a wrestler, and that's right. Billy Graham. Whereas the other one... Much better as a talker and a personality while being an announcer. And both were commentators, and like literally they're like like reverse images of each yeah. other like on commentary. <laughs> Billy Graham, one of the worst announcers ever, but one of the best talkers as a wrestler. Right. Jesse was like middling as a talker as a wrestler. And, and both shitty at wrestling. And very bad at wrestling. And Jesse, one of the best announcers. But anyway, Quinn, I think it is ranking time. Wow. So starting with Hedge, as Pat Patterson would say, uh, you put the Hedge in there. So I don't know. Does Hedge even crack the top 10? I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. I don't Let, think he does. Okay. I want to start Let's start. Let's just give Edge a fair play here. Okay. Let's start. Is Edge better than? I'm going to start at Brock Lesnar. Is he better than Brock Lesnar as WWE champion? In my opinion, yeah. No, I don't think so either. I think I, Brock I, just had more to do with that belt. Again, yeah. one more clarification. Again, maybe you're just joining us. Maybe you like literally. Maybe this is your first episode. Yeah. This is only the WWF World Title, the one that went from Buddy Rogers. The yeah. lineal title, yeah. not the big gold, nothing like that. Okay. So anything Edge did with the big gold, the SmackDown title, yeah. whatever you want to call it, that doesn't factor into the ranking here. Yeah. Okay. So let me let me just put all the names above Brock. We won't have to go through all of them, but is Edge worse than John Cena? Yes. yes. Steve Austin. Yes. yes. 
Bret Hart. Yes. yes. The Rock. Yes. Yes. CM Punk. Uh huh. Triple H. Yeah. Brock Lesnar is, I think, where we start. I think Brock's better as a champion. Yeah, I think Brock's better too. At more impactful reign. Edges was memorable. The, right. again, the 08, 09 shit didn't matter at all. I think Brock, especially if you factor in his 2014 run, yeah. that like where he's like a beast and like yeah. a sword on his chest. It's like, just- <laughs> like that shit is like, I think when WWE in, you know, 10 years or so, they'll think about the 2000s periods and the 2010 And that'll period. be like, fondly remembered by a lot of people. More I think. than Edges run, yeah. you think? Okay. I think so. Yeah. I would like to actually just go to the bottom, Quinn. Is is Edge better than Eddie Guerrero? Yes. Okay, so we know that. I, you do you know, think he's think better he's than better, Orton? I think he's better than Orton, yeah. You really do? Yeah. Now, the, the guy at number 10, though, is mankind. mankind, right? Like, we started at Brock. We're saying that, are we saying that Edge is worse than Ric Flair? I'm yeah. trying to find a medium yeah. here, you know I, what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, no, I'm saying Edge is worse yeah. than Ric Flair. Yes, I think so. Shawn Michaels, yes. And Mankind is where I think we are. It's I like, think it's fair to debate Edge and Mankind. Yeah. yeah. One of them might get knocked. One of them's going to get knocked out, I think, and one of them's going to stay yeah. or be in. Right. Because I don't think Edge is better than Shawn Michaels. We don't I think don't, Michaels is that great, but no, I, as champion. No. As champion. Yeah. I know. You throw yeah. it in. No, that's important because there are people here who are great, like wrestlers, like Eddie Guerrero, and he's oh, at the absolutely. bottom of the list. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I can't believe he's below Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So Edge versus Mankind. Yeah, I which, think that's I think that's about where Edge belongs. Which incidentally was a very good feud. Do you remember yeah. that? You remember yeah, that feud that they had? Excellent feud. <laughs> Absolutely excellent feud. Nothing to do with the title, but excellent feud. Now you want to know something interesting. Yeah. When Mankind faced Edge, even though Mankind was retired, but yeah. like he still he hadn't like overdone it coming back thing yet. So, like, it was, like, right. still special it to was... see Mankind come back, right? Exactly. But even at that point, I was higher on Edge because his rated RKO character had just, like, I like his more edgy, yeah. if you will, uh-huh. character had started around that time. And I was way more into him. I never liked it when Nick Foley came back. Yeah. If we compare both their title runs, I'd actually think that Edge might have been as the champion. Well, let's break it down. Yeah. They both had very memorable wins. That the right. fans fondly remember. They do. Mankind's against The Rock and Edge's against John Cena. Now, do fans tend, do you think, to remember more controversial wins like Edge's? Or do they tend to remember more um, like feel emotional, good. feel-good wins? Feel-good, I think. Now, the thing with Mankind... I don't know about the modern fan uh, in Edge's time. I mean, people like to be into controversy. They love they love that money in the bank thing. Like, I hate it. Yeah. But that's well. At the time, this was the first time it wasn't played true. out yet. Like it was, this was it was cool then. And he'd had it for so long, right? They didn't just willy nilly next night just used it, right? right? But then on the other hand, you have mankind, a fifteen year veteran, right? Lovable loser gimmick that he had been doing for the last few months and just being oppressed and beaten down, winning the title on a taped draw the same night he's being made fun of by the competition. Yeah. I think that's really why it just tugged at all the right strings on but people. But does that make him a good champion? Now, Edge, no. while he was champion, I think he, you know... But Edge wasn't that great of a champion either in 06. No, but I mean, he also was playing a, a, a slimy heel. Yeah, you know, true. like, And I thought he was good in that aspect. Well, Edge's first win against Cena, he only had the belt for three weeks. What can you really do in three weeks? No, not much, you know, but he did, he did get it back. He got it back and in July. And he was able to prove himself yeah. for, for a bit. And I don't know. I just, I, I really felt like Edge was a very, like, memorable champion. And, and 
to me, mankind, all it is is it's it's like the Ric Flair thing again, right? Yeah. It's all about the winning it and that nothing fucking mattered as the champion. The only, well, Flair had the Savage match. Right. And that was it that yeah. mattered. Literally nothing yeah. else mattered besides the Randy Savage feud. Yeah, that's true. But mankind again, had we, the Rock feud. We could say the same about Edge. So yes. are they on the level there? Like, is that like... Like are they? They're they're like the same kind of champion. Well, then if all their reigns are similar, we have to look into other criteria. I mean, yeah. I, I I'm having a hard time seeing if Edge could be better than anyone but Mankind, right? Because I still well, think and Randy Orton and Eddie Guerrero. Obviously. That's fine, yeah. yeah. But in terms of the top ten, I think Edge had just as memorable of a win as Mankind, but I like Mankind's better. Yeah, I personally, you know, I, I know a lot of people like Mankind, but I personally love the Edge win because I, I just it thought great. it was so unique. Like at the time, I, I never seen anything like that where they, they gave you this mystery box. And at the time it wasn't a trope or anything. No, it and wasn't. And they said, this can be used anytime up to the next WrestleMania, right? Right. And you just had no clue. And when that music hit, you were like, oh, my God, it's happening. Like, and it, this is before they did that bullshit that they even do now where they, they have a fake cash-in like 72 Ugh, times. Yeah, before. Like, right. No, Edge, there was no fake cash-ins. There was just he would come to the ring with this thing. They would acknowledge that it existed, but otherwise hmm. not really talked about at all. It was done so well that I had forgotten. And I would to the point at New Year's Revolution, I remember thinking to myself, why the fuck is Ed, like, why is this happening? And then I was like, oh, my God, that briefcase from WrestleMania last year. Like, mm. it was just so crazy. It, it was like, well done. Yeah. Do you think either of them with their short reigns, their short respective yeah. reigns, really did anything that altered the product in any way? Or were they just guys that were there and then it kind of went back to the status quo? After they didn't have their titles for mankind, here, 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 the yeah. Rock just got it back, and we went on as normal. With Edge, though, I think there is one minor difference. Yeah, and maybe maybe it will make the difference. What is that? Edge became John Cena's rival through this, and and John Cena's first big rival. Yeah, that's and, true. And a lot of what Randy Savage, I guess, if you were to compare him as champion, I guess is the next closest thing, right? As, mm. a, as a rival or CM Punk even, yeah, right? Fine, yeah. like CM Punk even, right? Right the rivalry is what tends to make, you know, a championship. Run. I agree with that. You know? A good champion has to have a good rival or two or yeah. three, you yeah. know, and We're, mankind didn't, I mean, had he a was, rock feud. He had a rock feud that was already kind of like existed prior. It did. Like it was built since. Deadly Game. Series, yeah. yeah. So it was like, whatever, but the edge kicked off his title run mm. with his biggest feud of his career. Okay. Like, you know what I, I mean? Feel it. All right. You know what? I think Edge just edges out. Just by a little mankind. bit. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Taking nothing away from Mick Foley as a uh, a wrestler or anything like that, but I, I I think I agree. I think Edge just had a little bit more to it with that run. Yeah. You know? There was just something about it, and I really felt like in this situation, Mankind's win was, you know, or, or felt like a reward for all the hard work he'd done before, where Correct. Edge is, while yes, a reward... But he did something it, with it. Like, he, he he made a rivalry with the biggest name in the company. And it was also a logical progression for his career. Yeah. Whereas Mick this probably more, didn't need the world title. For Mick, this felt like an endgame. For yeah. Edge, this felt like a rebirth and a, yes. a, a starting of Okay, something, and it freshened know? up his own character a right, lot in yeah. that whole period. And he became a very good uh, champion on, on both with both belts. Obviously, right. we're only talking about this one. 
So we're in agreement that Edge is going to take for now the number 10 spot for Mankind, and Mankind is now off the top 10. We're yeah. agreeing. I, I, are we in agreement? I, I agree, yeah. I mean, this is only temporary because there's still one more. There's still one more. I mean, Edge could get knocked off for all we know. But yeah. for right now, Edge hops over Mankind sure. officially, locked yeah. in. Okay. So Billy Graham, what are your thoughts on where to insert him? Mm. Wow, this is a hard one. I think he's, yeah. I, 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 think he's, I think he's somewhere in the middle. You So you think he's top 10 material? I do for right now. I, I do because um, I really think it's just so influential. Like it, I don't think heel champions operate the same way unless Billy Graham does what he does in 1977 in the WWF. In the anyway. WWF, yeah, because NWA was for this title thing. specifically. He was like the first real heel champion. He was. I mean, it, it, unless you want to count Buddy Rogers, no, but no, yeah, I don't want to count Buddy Rogers because he didn't really have it long, you know. Yeah. So you think Billy Graham is a better champion than Edge? Yes. Okay. So Edge is <laughs> sorry, Edge, Edge is had be that off. number ten for yep. so that's the way it goes here. Yeah. Do you think he's better than Shawn Michaels? He's gotta be, right? I mean Well, more important. Yeah, importance wise. I mean, right now, Billy Graham's importance is what's is his trump card, right? That's all like, he's got. Yeah. Because he didn't have a memorable title run necessarily. Yeah. But it was impactful in terms of I I think without Billy Graham's run, we wouldn't have had a Hulk Hogan necessarily. No, yeah, and that's and that's really possibly when you, when you have that kind of power there you yeah. can you can jump over a Shawn Michaels a Ric Flair because Ric Flair is a WWF champion right you know like mm. another heel like <laughs> I don't know though that Billy Graham goes above I think he goes above Brock Lesnar you do I was just gonna say I don't know if he does all right why do you think that I just the big muscly character I mean like yeah but I mean Billy that's Graham's not all there the, is to it yeah, but Billy Graham's the pioneer of that style too. The 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 muscle man champion. and a better talker. Yeah, too. like a better he, talker. If he was a good wrestler, he would have had it all. And not that yeah. it, that mattered, but yeah. I mean, really, he and, just wasn't that good of a wrestler. But what are Brock's two big things? He he he's a big muscle man and he's yeah. athletic. Well, check he those, used to be. Yeah, but check those boxes off for Billy Graham in his prime, right? Yeah. And then Billy Graham's got the talking, so boom, that steps him above. Brock needs a fucking manager. He can't even speak. When he does, it's they. Hi! He, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like. Yeah, they should give him the nails voice modulator. Who is Brock Lesnar? I'm an ass kicking son of a bitch. I don't respect anybody. I don't care what people think about me. I could give two. Who I piss off throughout my entire day. So you think that Billy Graham. Is right under Triple H or above? T- I think I, I, that's hard. That's tough. This is where it gets interesting. Hmm. So Triple H, big heel champion, and he he holds the very one distinction that Billy Graham and Billy Graham can't really have because there was no WrestleMania. Of course but, like, not. Triple H, the first heel to win at WrestleMania. Yes, yes, yes. At, with the title, with the title, with the title, with everything. If you don't count Yakazuma. I at mean, nine. Yeah. and Triple H is the consummate heel champion. He is like the. I agree. He's the heeliest of heelist champions. Yes, he is. It doesn't get much better than Triple H as far as heels are concerned for champion. Mm. Yeah, and he had a long time doing it. Right. Billy, yeah. Billy Graham beat Bruno. Yes, but okay, we we had these these but people big, liked him. What Graham? They did. But they didn't like him later. It was annoying. Oh, yeah. But in 77, they liked him. Yeah. Let's think about it this way. Like, Triple H is the muscly man champion, right? Yeah. Like, so that's one of Billy Graham's big things. So that's a wash. Yes. 
Triple H can talk. Yeah, they're both good talkers. Yeah. I'm not saying that tr- Triple H so is he, anything like Billy he Graham. He him there. They're good talkers. Billy Graham is a great heel. Triple H is a really great heel. He might even edge him out on a heel there. Triple and H is Triple H is a way better wrestler. I think that seals the deal. And, that, and there's the thing that uh, jumps him. I think you're right. I mean... I, I would have loved to talk about CM Punk versus Billy Graham because I thought that, that would have been an interesting discussion. It would be, yeah. But yeah, I don't think Billy I, Graham I, can climb that much. Yeah. As memorable as Billy Graham is, mm-hmm. as great a talker as he is and how groundbreaking he was, he didn't do as much with his title run that yeah, Triple H did, even with Triple H's big 2000 run only. That was also only. the old man losing confidence in Billy Graham. Yes, uh, but facts are facts. Yeah, these are things that happened in the backstage. Yep. But um, I don't know what the numbers, like the, the house show numbers were like when Graham had the title. I'm sure they were good. Yeah, but, but I mean, they wanted that, you know, Vince Sr., he wanted the All-American boy so bad. He did for um, years and years. Like, Fuck Billy Graham, even though everyone loves him, but. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Billy Graham could have turned face and been the face champion. Right. They really could have done that. Right, and it would have been interesting. Imagine going into the 80s and Billy Graham was the long-term champion. It would have been a much and, different landscape. Because he wouldn't have, because if, if he was that character, right. he wouldn't have shaved his head and done all karate and like basically <laughs> basically done every idea in his, in his brain to get back to the top, which would, with all of them sucked. Like... <laughs> You know so, what I mean? So basically, we can blame Vince McMahon Sr. for all of this. Well, and, for karate and Billy loving Graham. Bob Backlund like, so yeah. much, even though he sucks. Bob Backlund. Yeah. Well, I think... Uh, I think that's a respectable ranking for Billy Graham. Yeah, I just want to run through it. So, yeah, I guess he's better than Lesnar because... He's got to be better than Lesnar because we went so. through those things yeah. and, like, he's just better. Okay, yeah. so let's get the leaderboard finalized here because... Some big things have happened here today, a lot, Quinn. A, big, a lot of shifting, huh? A lot of shifting here, so... I didn't think Billy Graham would make it as high as he did, but really, I I, I thought he'd have a, I thought he'd be right about here ish. All right, well we're we're locking it in, right? Yeah. Okay, so that knocks Edge off the top ten. So Quinn, why don't I run down here the bottom four that we have right now? So we have Eddie Guerrero, Randy Orton, Mankind, and Edge. Edge who all eliminated. Who was, who was number ten briefly. He was. He, he was, did hold that at, spot. At one point, a couple minutes ago, Edge was the tenth best WWF champion of all time. Absolutely was. What a, what a run. What a great what run. A run he had, at he number had 10. Like, what, 102 seconds or yeah, something like great. that? Yeah, it was great. But folks, let's run down now the current top ten. At number one, it is still John Cena. Super Cena. He, every week, everyone's every week. jobbing to John Cena. <laughs> number two, Stone Cold Steve Austin. The Stone Cold Man. Number three, Bret Hart, you know. Uh, yeah. N- number four, The Rock. Yep, of course. Number five, CM Punk. CM Punk still holding strong. Yep. Number five hasn't moved. Hasn't moved. Number six, he hasn't moved either since last week, Triple H. Good for him. Number seven, a new entrant, Billy Graham. Congratulations, the seventh greatest WWF champion of all time. Number eight, Brock Lesnar. The Brockster. The Brockster. At number nine, Ric Flair. Wow, Ric Flair. <laughs> He's just getting close <laughs> off this list. And speaking of getting close, number 10 now, wow. Shawn Michaels. He's, he might lose this spot faster than he lost his hair. That is our oh, Royal boy. Rankings as of week seven. Be sure to let us know yours. You do it on Twitter. You can email us, email us or, of course, join the group, the Facebook group of Quinn. When we come back, whoo, we are reviewing something. Oh, boy. We'll be doing that right after this. I want to know how Bruno San Martino feels right now, 
sitting at home in this overstuffed easy chair. Bruno San Martino, superstar Billy Graham, the superstar, the man of the hour, the man with the power, the man that's too sweet to be sour, is talking to you. Fat pot belly, out of shape, white skin. Do you see this suntan, San Martino? This is a California suntan. I got this suntan in Death Valley where it's 150 degrees, running in the desert every morning, lifting thousands of pounds, training hours on end without stopping, drinking mineral water, eating all my steaks raw. I don't even cook my meat. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the retro wrestling podcast here on episode number 107. Before we review something, Quinn, you know that we always like to give some love to our friends of the show. There are other wrestling podcasts out there. There are, aren't there? And they're not all hosted by Conrad Thompson. Really? <laughs> yeah, there's I other mean, ones. The internet would like you to believe that <laughs> Conrad Thompson invented podcasts. And his blazer. And his blazer <laughs> and, you know, his friend, Bruce Pritchard. Yeah, his friend, Bruce. But besides his friend, Bruce, there are some great friends of our show. We're going to give you three great ones to check out. You can listen to them after you listen to us throughout the week. On Mondays, there's another show that you can listen to right after this one is. Oh, what would that be? Because they're buttoning in on our ratings. <laughs> our ratings. Yeah, the Nielsen ratings. Yeah. Uh, we have the wrestling podcast about nothing, and it is hosted by two guys that have actually worked in the wrestling business. One of them is a wrestler. Yeah, he is. He is he's the... He's a whaler. He's the <laughs> ROH's own, the kingpin, Brian Malonis. The kingpin? I don't know what that is. Oh, the Wine City Whaler. Yes. Sorry. Okay, yeah. Yes, and he's a wrestler. He actually yeah. wrestles in the wrestling ring. Yes. And does wrestling matches. Does he really? Yeah, he does. He's is a veteran. It, is, of the, he, is he on tour? He's say? on tour. He's a veteran of the New England Mat Wars. Those he's Mat Wars. Criss-cross in this great country of ours. <laughs> Remember in the history books, the uh, New England Mat Wars? Yeah, it was a tough war, actually. It was really tough. Yeah. And uh, he's joined each and every week by a guy who is uh, allegedly on an extended hiatus you from mean being retirement. A, yeah, retirement. Yeah. From being a wrestling referee, and that would be Mean Mike Crockett. He's mean. He's Mike. He's Crockett. <laughs> what these guys do is good, though, because not only do they mix in their fandom and their experiences, and they mix martial arts as well. <laughs> they comment on some stuff from retro wrestling's past and also from the present, and they tie that all together into a very fun little package. There, you can listen to them every single Monday after. After this show, it is the wrestling podcast about yes. nothing. No, open that package yeah. after this show. Yeah, open up that package. Also on Thursdays, another package arrives. It is greetings from Allentown. That's right, GF Allentown, Quinn. The critically acclaimed. Yes, it is a critic's I'm choice. Learning. See, I'm learning. You are learning. I'm learning how these plugs go how here. They, how the critics acclaim this show. Oh man, it is so critically acclaimed. Was it he? Is... Uh, was he an OK magazine or something? Yes, like, he was what? an OK. He was in Vogue actually. Yeah, Vogue. <laughs> yeah, it was just like the editor's choice. Award. Yes, that's right. The people's choice as well. Yeah, it is one man, Quinn, a lonely man. His name is Peter Winson. He is our little baby brother. Yeah, Winst- Winson. <laughs> yeah, Winson. Yeah. Winson. And what yeah, he that's... does. He's not in Allentown, actually. He's somewhere in Massachusetts. I'm yeah, not sure I where. Think, I think the, the, the show has got a misleading title. It's a misnomer. It yeah. is, really. But what this guy does, Petey, little baby Petey, is he takes an hour of retro wrestling. Let's say he watches the CWA, you know, Continental Wrestling yeah. Association, maybe WWF, whatever it is. And he reviews that, you know, yeah. allegedly. But really, while he's reviewing it, what you're getting are stories. What you're getting are anecdotes and asides. And these intimate little details about Peter Winston's life, you know, such as meeting hockey players in bars or maybe his favorite whiskey or beer, grilling, his cat, 
It's Greetings from Allentown, and it's every single Thursday. Check that out. You can also find it on the Proud Wrestling Only feed. Yeah, that feed. Find it there, too. And also, we have our Southern Fried brethren, Michael. Yeah, they're, they're fried. They're and fried? They're, they're low of the brow or and whatever. They, yeah, that's right. If you like your retro wrestling talk with a side of grits, yeah. check out Book in the Territory with Mike Mills and his crew, because what they do is they go through the Smoky Mountain, and they go through the NWA Crockett era, and it is some good stuff. It is the unprofessional wrestling podcast. It's Mike Mills and Book in the Territory. Check that show out as well. So three friends of the show to remember. The wrestling podcast about nothing. Greetings from Allentown and Book in the Territory. Check out our friends of the show. But Quinn, you yeah. did this to me. <laughs> so actually, I think you and were I pretty thank entertained. You. Yeah, yeah so because this sex. was something, all right. Um, this is new to the World Wrestling Entertainment Network. Yes, it is. This, it sure is entertainment. It, would this, you say, would this you say that? This was entertainment, yeah. yeah. Now, this came out a couple of weeks ago on the WWE Network. And it yeah, is, th- now, it's very rare that we even do anything that's new. <laughs> Because this is technically new, right? It, it's never aired before, folks. What it is? Well, background, background. Okay. Okay. The AWA, yeah. Vern Gagne's promotion, the American Wrestling Association, That's as correct. it was called, it was was a big deal in the sixties. <laughs> yeah. A big deal in the seventies. Yeah. Somewhat in the eighties. And by the eighties, they started to fizzle out because Vern would hold tight to his way of doing things. You know, yeah. your your amateur background, you know, and your Brad Reingans. Yeah, Brad Reingans. They've been promoting him for 10 years at that point. And there's no question that Vern Gagne had a wealth of talent in that company throughout the 80s. The problem is Vince McMahon had wealth when it comes to the almighty dollar. He and- also <laughs> had more talent in the entertainment department. Yeah, that's true. And Vince scooped up a lot of that talent throughout the 80s. I'm talking your rockers. Sherry Martell, yeah. a lot of people. You, the list goes on, honestly. Now, would, Kurt Hennig, Scott Holt, there's you, a bunch of guys. Would you say what we're about to um, review here is Vern's attempt at a more entertainment, yes. showbiz-based product? Yeah. <laughs> now, whereas Vince McMahon was quite successful in his foray into the sports entertainment business by combining MTV in 1984 with WWF, getting the WWF into the mainstream, getting Hulk Hogan all over the place, Vern Gagne in 1989 went a decidedly different route that kind of gives off a Porky's 3 type of vibe, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Well, I, I would say that's about, about right. <laughs> Porky's 3 Porky's is where this... Porky's 3, but wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Those dirty little rat fucking bastards, they double-crossed me again. Now someone's going to pay for this shit. Now, this is the AWA Team Challenge Series pilot. Yes. This plane crashed, I think, because <laughs> this never aired. It was yeah. on home video, apparently. Well, it looks like it's on. So here's the thing is it looks like it's on home <laughs> video. I don't know if it was intended for television or it was going to be part of the, the grand AWA home video plan. <sighs> uh, did they even have a home video division? <laughs> I don't, I don't so. even know. <laughs> I don't even know what the idea here was. Now, the AWA Team Challenge series, of course, did go on throughout 1989. Unfortunately. Through 1990. Yeah. This thing, you know, is rather infamous. It was a bunch of teams that had... And a not, bunch by meaning three. <laughs> and not tag teams. It was wrestlers on a team, and there were three teams, and every match consisted of, like, points. If you won, your team yeah. got points. Right. And they had stupid names, and we'll get into what those stupid names were and everything oh, like that. they're horrible. They're really bad names But that's for not really... To me, that's not really the focus. The Team Challenge series, while, yes, present during this, it's more about what the fuck is this show? What are we watching, yeah. right? So this is available right now on the WWE Network. Welcome to this tutorial on how to cancel your WWE Network subscription. 
So, Quinn, let's get right into this here. Sure. This is October. <laughs> sure, sure. This, this is October twenty third, nineteen eighty nine. A time where the AWA stunk, which yeah. is most of the eighties. Don't tell Ruben Vasquez Jr. that. All right. So we open with the American flag and a uh, very hokey intro where girls are chanting, "Yay, yay for the AWA!" Notice no crowd. Yeah, as the girls are in the ring chanting, no crowd to be seen. Yeah. Uh, there's hair metal bands and then girls in boxing gloves? What yeah, is going on in this intro? It, you know what it reminds me of? Um, Porky's 3. The WBF intro where they just, there's just a bunch, <laughs> bunch of random stuff. That has nothing to do with like what we're actually... Like cooking and, and, and <laughs> people like going on travel trips. Like... <laughs> So Vern Gagne welcomes us with his dog. It's, yeah, a, <laughs> it's a new era, Vern says. And now we're entering a new era. The AWA is introducing its Team Challenge Series. Jerry, <laughs> kill me. <laughs> kill me now. I'm begging you. And I can't believe Vern is doing this from the Lake Minnetonka. The, <laughs> That's what the, it is. The home that we know that he mortgaged or something to keep the AWA yes, alive. Yes, he had a lean against maybe, it or maybe, something. Maybe that was the bank's deal is you have to advertise Lake Minnetonka. Because they're like, we know you're going to fucking fail. And we're going to have to sell this <laughs> thing. So at least it'll be on like TV. You know. So Vern, of course, jokes that he'll get back in the ring. But that's not really funny because Vern could have gotten back in the ring at oh, any given time. I, you know, he makes that joke. And I'm sure like people watching were like, oh, fuck. Like... <laughs> But nobody was watching, actually. Yeah, so. that's true. Maybe uh, maybe his his son was watching when they they were like, we got to throw, this, like, in, no, Dad, we gotta throw no. this in the garbage. Yeah, we that's, can't maybe do this. that's why it never made just that comment right there. <laughs> so we're joined by Ralph Strangis and Who? Greg. <laughs> he's actually a hockey announcer now. Yeah, and, he's a little twerp. Oh, he's so twerpy. And Greg Gagne, they're in the control room. Yes, and the control room. They have their Mr. Perfect like tribute track suits from 1991. You know how Perfect wore the track suit in 91 yeah, they're with They're very flair? like 80s-fied. Like, very 80s-fied. Is that, is that like a term? No. You don't think so? No, but okay. Ralph does promise us new hot rock and roll. Also hot, new, exciting rock and roll. And Greg gets all excited. He tells us we're going to feel the arm drags and the body slams. Yeah, he's very excited about this technology yeah. that, they're, that they've assumed stumbled on i, I don't it's know it's called a video camera i don't know what a green screen <laughs> apparently so we go to the satellite to see uh tommy jammer and the first thing is why do they have the guys coming out with like a green screen crowd on either side it looks okay, horrible yeah first of all look at it <laughs> second of all let me Please. explain what from my memory now so it's like this weird like grid pattern like they're in like space or I, like a video game or something. Yeah. You ever seen Nick Arcade? I've it's definitely like seen that. Nick Arcade. Both of you, Stacey, Bam, Clint, go in there and bust the move on Mongo. Good luck. Get in there. And the sides are like this flat screen, it's but flat like screens angled. screens on each side, angled. Inward. The fans cheering from some other event, it's right? But not only that. Probably not even this. The fans are sped up to what looks like like 1.5x speed yeah, that sounds on either about right. side. Yep. And they're in an endless like loop, like a gif. There's some like, lady on the right with yeah. weird hair the whole time. And there's another guy on the left in a stripy shirt, like <laughs> going like woo, woo, woo. He's on Arsenio. Like, Maybe it's the Arsenio now crowd. Can, now you can't hear the actual audio of that because nothing syncs up. You just hear a endless loop of the yeah. crowd, like over and over again again. and this doesn't end here no (laughs) now the arena quote unquote is empty it kind of looks like when they put wrestling on like a sitcom and the ring looks weird and it looks a lot like actually that um ultimate warrior music video with peter gabriel or whatever yeah the other that i always say is peter gabriel the other lead singer from genesis the second one the one that did ah 
can't yeah, say. Right. Exactly. Anyway, so Ralph Strange is here, brags about their slow motion replay, which has never, he says, been seen in wrestling before. Except every week on Superstars. <laughs> now, I mean, seriously. Ralph, I'm just saying. You're right. Ralph is so excited about this instant replay that he tells us that anytime he wants to see it, he's going to say, punch the button, Greg. They have on-demand replay, I guess. That's right. Greg Gagne just sits there and punches the button, and then we get the replay. We have slow motion replay. Brand new. You've never seen it in wrestling before. I'm going to say, punch the button, Greg, and you're going to show it to us again. Doesn't that infer that this is pre-taped and not live? Don't don't spoil (laughs) it. Don't spoil the illusion. Now, we get insert shots, speaking of illusions, of a crowd at, like, a comedy club or something. Okay, so let me explain What, are they watching Andrew Dice Clay? The whole time... We Sam Kennison there? We told you that there's no crowd, right? It's just like black behind them. It is, yeah. To give us the illusion that maybe in that black fog that there may be a crowd. There's not. They're clipping to some reaction shot clips, I guess they filmed in a bar. There's ketchup on the table. Yeah, there's like it's like in a like They're bar like, slash restaurant. Like it's real. When they say I'm not bar, kidding. I would say more like a bar and grill. Not oh, like there's yeah. definitely a grill in there, right, Quinn. Exactly. It's not it's just like, a bar. Yeah, it's not like just a smoky bar. It's, like you can get a greasy hamburger there. Right. Probably somewhere in Minnesota. I would think. Um and it is um that's really the crowd bad. for this, yes. And I and I really wonder like how did they get them to react? Did they show them this with no audio no. or something? Like I don't know. They'd be sleeping. <laughs> I, I don't get it. They show them something much better. Yeah. I don't know. They show them Gallagher, yeah. you know, doing his watermelon routine. Anyway, Ralph actually fucking says, punch the button, Greg, so we can see Tom Burton body slam Tommy Jammer in slow Too many motion. Toms, a lot of toms. Imagine being the wrestlers filming this and no crowd. Kind of like TNA. Yeah, well, <laughs> TNA, even at their worst, has a crowd. I know, yeah. but you're right. It must be weird. It's basically like every wrestler has to do an empty arena match or an mm-hmm. empty warehouse match or an empty studio, you know, wherever we, they are. We thought Vince McMahon was a pioneer with the empty arena match. <laughs> AWA, really, they were ahead of the curve here, right? Well, you thought Vince McMahon. That was an 80s thing. That, oh, really? Yeah. When do, when was the first one? At least the 80s. Terry huh. Funk and Jerry Lawler, I think, oh, okay. had one, or Lanny Poffo. I don't know. What was <laughs> it, Memphis or something? Yeah, of course okay. it was. <laughs> Everything in Memphis first. Jackie Fargo probably yeah. thought of it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> now, I also need to note, because you know me, I like to uh, observe things about sound. Right. The announcers sound like they're broadcasting from a horse stable in Minnetonka. Jammer up, loosening up that arm a little bit. It looks to me as if, as if he got hurt by those first two throws. Well, he definitely would. Those slams shake you up. Now, yeah. the announcers sound like they're like, oh, this is really good, which is my least favorite thing is when they right. sound far away. Right. But the wrestlers, sorry, so you mentioned the crowd loop, right? The yeah. fake crowd noise yeah. that you hear constantly. The wrestlers generally are way too loud because the ring mic is louder than the crowd sound where it's just not mixed yeah. well. Not only that, because the wrestlers are on an empty lot somewhere, yeah. they echo unnaturally Yes, because there's no crowd to absorb their echoing. Right. So it's like this weird disorienting effect. That's right. Tommy Jammer with a power slam followed by a really crappy splash for the win. Greg, punch the button. Punch the button, Greg. Punch it, Greg. (laughs) Now we get a promo in front of a plain blue screen with the Blitzers captain, Baron Von Roschka. Yes, he's there in 89. So is he just the captain? Like, he's not really wrestling, right? I don't know. I mean, he could be. Advisor. (laughs) He's the advisor. And the captain of the snipers, Quinn, of course, is Sergeant Slaughter in his G.I. Joe jacket. Yes, we're during that era where he's, he's like, really, like, paid out by yeah. G.I. Joe. Like, he is 
His whole life is G.I. Joe at this point. <laughs> they bitch about how Paul Diamond is going to face Colonel De Beers, which I'd be upset about, too. Mainly, he's a big racist. De Beers. Is, yeah, which is, I don't understand why the all-American hero, Sergeant Slaughter, other than them both being military people. Yeah, but why would he want him on his team? Or was but it random? Doesn't he say something about, oh, well, he's thrown me over the top rope, so that's why I like him. He's a good wrestler, basically. Like, he's like, Brad, you know, he's a good wrestler, so that's why I'm picking him. Like that, <laughs> But he's not a good wrestler. He's not, but according to Sergeant Slaughter, he is. Why does he think Colonel De Beers could possibly... Because they threw him over the top rope once or something. <laughs> That's like what he says. That's literally his rationale. He's on my team because he eliminated me in a battle royal, and I respect him for that. Low standards. Because Sergeant Sarge Slaughter, has. maybe he just never loses or something. So he's just, <laughs> he's not used to losing something. So he was like, you know what? If that guy can beat me in a fake wrestling match... he could definitely beat Paul Diamond. Yeah, exactly. Or Fuck anybody else. So I should get him on my team. Back to the control room with Ralph and Greg, who throw us to the destruction crew uh, in front of a falling building on a green screen. Do you want yes. to uh, explain this, Quinn? <laughs> so this is probably my favorite part of the entire thing. Basically, the destruction crew is turned away from the, the camera towards the green screen behind them, which is a like live video of a building being destroyed, like destroyed, like an actual destruction. Yes. And what they do is they, they both grunt and groan and go, Arr! and they're like, with sledgehammers, and they're, they're knocking against the background and they're going like, tink, 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 and then all of a sudden, like they're doing this until I guess somebody got in their ears and said, okay, it's the video of it's falling now. (laughs) And then they turn around and they're like, (laughs) it's, Blowing up like the demolition of this building that probably was filmed in real life. Then it's falling, and they're cutting their promo while, while there's this, a building. Falling. While there's a video of a building falling down on a green screen in the background, and we're, <sighs> it's implied that they did that. Right, they knocked the building over. Right. Let me get this straight to you. The perspective of it doesn't make any sense. No, nothing about it like, does. Because the camera shot of the building is maybe a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> Are they supposed to be like tall giants? Also, they're bigger than the building because of the perspective. None of it really makes sense. It doesn't make any sense at all, and I don't get it, and it's stupid. (laughs) Now, Wayne Bloom, I have to say, has rather fabulous hair, and they call the crowd fat. They basically do the Rick Rude gimmick, like, when your wives see us, blah, 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 but they have sledgehammers. When your old lady looks over at you, she's going to be dreaming about us. Yeah! (laughs) But here's the thing, Quinn. Here's what I don't understand about their gimmick. Okay. They're construction workers that they're demolition experts, they're like men right? At work, but they're also like sexy men. Yeah, they, and they're the strongest men too, according to them. So they're just like they're the alpha males. They're basically. everything. It's the Beverly Brothers. Yeah, it's the it's the fucking Beverly Brothers. That's like, all you really need to know. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. Anyway, we get their green screen entrance with their manager Johnny V. First of all, he looks like he has shit in his pants. <laughs> Second of all, like, you can tell that Johnny V, like, maybe this was his first time in front of a green screen. Ever. So he, it's clear he doesn't understand how this works. Let's right, put it that way. he wasn't a weatherman. So, he, you, all you see, he's, like, hamming it up. Oh, like, my God, Big ham. time. Like, he's hamming it up. He's, like, like, the crowd's really there, first yeah. of all. Second of all, he's doing, like, the Bret Hart, like, with his hands, like, on the side. What is that even called? He's just like, got his hand. He's, like, posturing, like, yeah, strutting. And, but, like, he looks like he's got poop in his pants because he's, like, the way he's leaning back because he's hamming it so much. Yeah, it's, there's so much it's ham you could have Thanksgiving horrible. there. It's <laughs> horrible! It's so bad! 
And then uh, their opponents, the uh, Beverly Brothers opponents, are Ricky Rice and Jerry Lynn. Yes, that the, Jerry Lynn. That Jerry Lynn. You know, Lynn. the wrestler. Yeah, Mickey the, Rourke. Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney. Yeah. <laughs> and clearly the fans at the bar <laughs> don't like them. That's true. Johnny V, uh, rest in peace. But for the record, he still sucks here. Yeah, I'm not going to compliment. This is a poor. It's poor. Like, he, I feel bad. Like, I feel like, wow, that this that guy. here. He got fired from WWF, Good. and like this is really all he has. Like, it's, he should work for Boar's Head. He should have just retired. Boar's Head Ham and been like, I don't know, like a bookie or what? What do you expect Johnny V would do if he wasn't a wrestler in real life? Probably, used car salesman, yeah, probably like used like car salesman is yeah. exactly right. Or yeah. a mall. Santa. I mean, he could sell something. I think. I think. Oh, he, he could definitely could, sell. If something. If you could cut a promo to get people to go in a smelly arena, then like <laughs> you could sell anything, really. Fake watches, maybe. And where's the most lucrative? place for one person to make money use car sales use obviously. car sales <laughs> yeah so ralph strangis here tries to act like the awa is the satellite base and is beaming this to bars across the world that, or something it's so stupid joe and i'll tell you are they expecting us that like in the future wrestling will emanate from empty warehouses and it will be beamed to like bars across the... Isn't that just fucking television? <laughs> like, what? I don't get this. Yeah, they're like, acting like this is new technology. I, it's stupid. People are watching TV at a bar. That's are, what it boils down uh, to. Yeah. Oh. Who is there? <laughs> no one's like, is, there. Is the crowd, like, virtually projected through hologram, <laughs> like, in the fake. fucking warehouse? It's like, not real. What the hell is this? I don't know. It's so bad! <laughs> I hate it! So Ricky Rice, uh, with some arm drags like Greg promised, Jerry Lynn works the arm of Meek Mo- Mean Mike Enos. This looks like a 1-800-CALL-ATT commercial. Uh, the camera angles are, like, too cinematic. Yeah. Like, some film major kid said... This is how I'd like to film wrestling as he was like angstingly smoking a cigarette or something. Now, do you think it's a menthol? Uh, no, regular. Because remember that those kind of kids, they smoke like no filters. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like he was smoking a Lucky Strike yeah, or something? Yeah, I like, I'm so cool. <laughs> <laughs> now, I also need to mention here that the loop that Quinn mentioned is very prominent here. The crowd noise loop, you could really tell uh, here. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like, the, it's like the loop from Mario All-Stars, like when it's like... <laughs> and, and before, yeah, before you hit the start button, like you just let it go. <laughs> Imagine if they just took Mario All-Stars and they literally just let it run and didn't hit start like just kept going i should try that sometime so anyway this match is hard to watch and it's not because of the wrestling but it's because of the style the camera work the announcers the dark arena the scaffold off to the side the fake crowd noise johnny v horrible all of this is horrible it's bad. bad Big power slam here by the Mauler, followed immediately by a replay. I guess Greg was punching that button. Mauler mauling his opponent. <laughs> Doomsday Device gets the win, and the that crowd... That was actually okay. <laughs> yeah. like, that looked okay. The crowd yeah. reacts by continuing to make that exact same noise that they've been <laughs> making in the Mario All-Stars crowd noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Eric Bischoff comes into the ring with a mic that doesn't work and some really bad highlights in his hair that also don't work. It's, it's so fluffy, but it's like weirdly like somewhat gray yeah it's like gray yellow is that a color what the fuck (laughs) like like what the happened to him because i don't even ever remember him looking like never in awa i've never seen his hair look like that he looks like he has a powdered wig like he belongs in the 18th century like if you know like the picture of them signing the declaration of independence (laughs) it looks like eric bischoff could be standing in the corner with a mic in front of george washington or something like how do you feel about this like and george washington like not wanting to open his mouth because of his wooden teeth is like "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." like that's what bischoff looks like he is like 
<laughs> you you had wooden teeth. No, no, you had wooden teeth. You had wooden teeth. I didn't have wooden teeth. You did. Johnny V rambles about nothing essentially. <laughs> I can't believe somebody was still employing him. Like I can't believe it. Like it, he was. He's so. Bad. He really is. I'm sorry. If he was good, it was like 15 years before yeah. this. Back to the control room. Greg Gagne looks like he hates all of this, by the way. You can see it in his eyes. I feel like Greg, he feels bad because maybe this was like partially his idea. And as it's going down, he's like in the middle of it. And he's like, oh, fuck. Like, it's like, this is not how I like envisioned it. And I'm guessing there was some poor input by Vern that like oh, twisted sure. it into like this. Of course. Like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, we go back to Sergeant Slaughter in front of an American flag green screen this time. What is this? AWF? Like, it's, it's almost the same problem. I was yeah. like, and you're watching AWF. <laughs> like, it's like that. It's yeah, like, AWA. That? Yeah, it's just he put it, he replaced the app with an A. Yeah, well, sometimes you gotta do that. So Sergeant Slaughter blathers on, and then we get a promo with Colonel De Beers. He also has too many medals on his jacket, like a lot of medals. Yeah, what is with all is the that, medals on that jacket? Is that normal in South Africa? Is the military there have like that I don't is, know. Do they just have a bunch of medals? Is Dave Matthews South African? Maybe he listens to us. If you were us. fighting a war, wouldn't those like medals like clank around and get in the way? It seems like it'd be very cumbersome yeah, to wear all like those medals. It, well, if you're trying to like hide or something, right? Like, because, you know, guerrilla warfare, right? Yeah, right. They're trying to get under the bushes and then people hear tink, 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 tink. <laughs> like, I don't think it's very practical is all I'm saying. Maybe that's why he didn't yeah. win any wars, that yeah. the beer's there. Also, why doesn't, this has always bothered me. He's yeah. supposed to be a South African, you know, from apartheid, white, <laughs> white apologist, whatever. Yeah. Why doesn't he have a South African accent? Like, why does he sound like he's from Milwaukee or something like he that? Is. <laughs> he looks like you could name him Bush, but like after the beer. Yeah. And like he could like be like a beer swilling, like stone cold type character. Like that's what he looks like. Well, he has the me. gut for that. He even has the like hair mustache. and mustache, but it's like dirty blonde. He's dirty overall. Like, he looks like a guy in a bar. He probably smells like coleslaw. He looks like a guy that smells like coleslaw in a bar <laughs> in the late 80s. That's like, exact. He should be with the crowd that's watching like, this. You know what he is? He's like one of your dad's friends. That's like, exactly what he like, is. But the guy that like you don't know him in that well. You don't know him, and your dad's not particularly like happy about being. He's just like an acquaintance when he goes to the bar down yeah, the street, right, kind of guy, right? right? And like, he remembers you when you're like six, but yeah, he doesn't like, care. Oh, that I remember much. when your dad like brought yeah. you in to meet us when you were a little baby, and you're like, and he, cool. you're like okay, I'm go home and play video games now. Yeah, exactly. Here, yeah. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Ralph now hypes up the Beverly Hills knockouts live from Beverly Hills. Yeah, live. <laughs> Beverly Hills, by the way, this is a dump this place, sir. And it's like somebody's basement yeah, in, in probably Milwaukee. Probably again. Milwaukee. So this is um this is a boxing match with um with women. Yeah. In skimpy clothes. And surrounded by a ring with women in skimpy clothes and, like, gloves. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that's about. They look like showgirls. They look like Some show people girls. have thongs on, like, actual yeah. thongs, and it's the 80s. Like, I, I thought that was more of a 90s thing, but maybe I, I'm wrong I in bathing suit. I think the thong suit. was around. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I thought they were more into the, the side part being thongy well, in the 80s, were. but they're ahead of their time in the I, bathing suit Maybe department. in that yeah. department. They're yeah. also ahead of their time in the camera work because <laughs> this we, is the best part. <laughs> we occasionally switch. Like it's fucking sewer shark. Like yeah. it's shit shark. What's the... No, that... That uh, boxing game, I know, on Sega CD. Uh, boxing champ or something. Sure. The one that's like um, Raging Bull. 
Yeah, the on, one that's on Sega CD. We occasionally switch to a first-person view of boxing on an AWA television show. Now, let me explain something here. This means that in the middle of this boxing match, they told the girl to get out of the way, yes. go to the side, while the other girl yes. acted like she was boxing her, which means it's not really a match or anything. No, this is all a production here. Right. It's not an actual athletic competition by any uh, stretch. Because you know what? They could have made it seem like it was real if she was where they were both wearing cameras on their heads, like the ref cam or something. Do you really want to see a match in the AWA in 1989 of two girls boxing with cameras on their heads? Well, they have big hair, so... <laughs> <laughs> maybe they could fit the cameras in there. I mean, they're these girls are like maximum eighties. Oh, they're very eighties. Like the hair, the bathing boobs, suits, the fake boobies, suits, yeah, high heels, and they're boxing. Now, Mustang Sally or whoever gets jumped by the blonde yeah. bomber, I don't know if that's who they are. And I think that's their. I think that's their actual name. It might right? be. Now the gloves are off, and now it's like apartment wrestling literally. here. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? As Joe references that, I literally said, "What a reference!" Like while we were, I was like, "Apartment wrestling." It's real. If you don't know, that's um Bill After Mags guy yeah. uh, doing. Yeah. That that was the After Mags. When what? Don't call them the After Mags. It's embarrassing. Yeah. You also said you like how the ref is counting as if that matters. Yeah, like, he's like, really, like, the ref's serious, but none of the rest of it is. Yeah. Now, and the ring is tiny. It's like itty bitty. I know. <laughs> now, here's the funny part. Ralph's like, hey, Greg, she's got to put her gloves on, doesn't she? And Greg's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she's got to put her, her gloves on, doesn't she, Greg? Gagne? Yeah, I, I don't know. Boxing and wrestling? Like, yeah, what's what going we... on here? This was the company, the AWA. That was notoriously like conservative, right? Forever when it came to wrestling, this is the company that did not want to go the direction Vince did. Yeah. Forever, right? Yes, and this is why I think like this has to be Vern's idea because I think this is like, well, if we can't compete with our conservative thing, let me see what the kids like. And what do kids like? They like girls scantily clad fighting each other. So. This is what I'm going to do. And then like, and not only that, it's like what probably like Vern looks for in a woman, like boxing a, gloves, like a Vegas showgirl is what he thinks oh. a sexy girl is. Right. Not the girl next door no. or anything well, like that. There's nothing that. next door to the lake. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Not like what a normal, like teenage boy right. might think of. Right. Like, no, like a Vegas showgirl. I do have to ask, though. Why is there boxing on this? I don't know. There's lots of like jump cuts and poor edits. And one of the managers comes in, does an Irish whip and a backbreaker. With a and thong then- on, no yeah. less. <laughs> All of this. She does a backbreaker with a thong on. I yeah. thought that was impressive. It was pretty impressive. <laughs> Greg calls this whole thing different. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Both girls go down in the bell rings and then there's like a sweaty armpit guy in the bar that gets all happy remember that yeah. oh yeah so one this one guy cheers right in the bar he lifts his arm up and there is a huge sweaty spot like yes. on his shirt like <laughs> like it was so obvious and dumb why did they even use that <laughs> just embarrassing one of the girls wins i don't even care who yeah. probably mustang sally anyway back to ralph and greg ralph tells us that the awa has always been the leader always been the pioneer they pioneered something yeah and today is the cutting edge because it's the team challenge series quinn so let's break down the team challenge series so basically you got three teams they face each other for points and as greg says the one with the most point 
wins at the yeah. end. So <laughs> he actually said that he clearly fucked up and he didn't feel like editing it. And you said he was explaining this while looking at cue cards, which yeah, was even you could funnier. See, you could see Greg's eyes like avert the screen like yeah. for like a second, and you're like, oh man. So anyway, the current points are Larry's Legends, of course, Larry Zabisco. Yeah, <laughs> winning with 16 points. Well, he's, he's probably won the whole time, and I'm guessing at the last like team challenge series thing they lost like probably right at, at just like all healy. <laughs> Baron's Blitzers with 15 points. Yeah. And pulling up the rear, Sarge, Sarge's Snipers with 13. By the way, I just hope Larry Zabisco is not on this tape in any I, way I possible. I agree with you. But let's get a promo, Quinn, with Paul Hard Rock Diamond in space. Yeah, in you space. May- <laughs> well, it was space with sound. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let me explain this for one second. Go ahead. When they clip to Paul Diamond, right? There's like a, a green screen of like the earth way with behind like, him, way behind him with like stars whizzing by and stuff. And this weird like hum. It's space. That's but the sound of the, space. The thing is, if you went to elementary school, I guess you would, I went there. You would know that your teachers say there is no sound in space. Right. So what the fuck? Just like, I don't understand. How is there sound? How is Paul Diamond breathing if he's supposed to really be there? I mean, the destruction crew was really knocking that building over. Oh, that's and, true. And yeah. K-Fabe. And Sergeant so, Slaughter was really in front of the flag. Right. So, what? I don't know. But you also said he looks like Mike Awesome here. Oh, he looks like <laughs> exactly like him. In fact, I for a second thought he was Mike Awesome. <laughs> now, if you don't know who Paul Diamond is, folks, shame on you. No. But he was part of a very good tag team in the AWA earlier called Bad Company with right. uh, Pat Tanaka. Which later became the Good Orient Express. And when we say the Good Orient Express, because there was the other Orient Express that didn't have yeah. Kato in the mask. It had you know, Shinja. Now, Kato Sato. in the mask was Mike Awesome over here. Yes, right. Paul Diamond. Yeah, Kato Hard Kalen. Rock. Hard Rock. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid name. Yeah. I guess because Diamond is a hard rock. Yeah, it's a little too literal. They're also forever. Yeah. They're also a girl's best friend. They're a lot of things, and they're hard. <laughs> and they're very hard. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Colonel De Beers now enters through the green screen, hamming it up for the fake crowd himself. Oh, yeah, super ham. Now, Colonel De Beers, I don't think he, he's like the kid on Nick Arcade that doesn't understand where he is on the screen because, like, yes. he's like marching. He's doing this, like, march routine. He's worse he's than like, Johnny V. He's like walking on top of the screen screen. You he know walks what I mean? through it. He walks through them, but on top of that, he's also, like, walking over them yeah, because. Terrible. Like when he's before he's like all in the forefront. But can you blame anyone in no. this company for not getting the concept of what well, they're these doing? These are guys that are used to like touring the country in a shitty like Toyota Corolla, right? Like to the next arena. They have no, they don't give a fuck about green screens, especially real. Like when they're walking down the ring, usually there's real people there. Yeah, that's you're telling him to stand in front of a screen and do his routine with no direction, obviously, because no, they didn't tell not. him like, "Hey, you're a little too far to the left." No. They could have reshot that. Yeah, they could have said, oh, no, you messed up. Or they could have put lines on the floor and said, don't walk past this. This is the aisle. So bad. So uh, as the regular wrestlers circle each other, this is really where the ring mic is very loud. If you're curious, you can hear a lot of just extraneous stuff. Yeah. Flying hazards by Diamond, but De Beers escapes. We should also mention the only way to win this match, Quinn, is to throw your opponent over the top rope. It's a two-man battle royal. This is the worst! <laughs> what you the? No, no wonder this Team Challenge series, like, sucked. And you, nobody, it didn't work. It sunk the place. Do you think that Vern did this as a reaction to how steadfast they were about the over-the-top yes. rule. Yes. Yeah. I think he thought, like, oh, man, this is really going to blow people's minds. <laughs> every match they go over the top rope. We haven't allowed it for 30 years. Now it's every fucking match. 
What the fuck? <laughs> it's stupid. WWF never had this rule ever. They've existed for over 50 years, according to them or whatever. This is bullshit. So De Beers dominates with dumpy dicking around. And you uh, said that you could not believe the effort that they went through to get the reaction I, I, shots. I can't of people. believe it, like because there's so many of them. Yeah, like you're right. every single one is different too. Yeah, the reaction uh, shots are all different. That? Like yeah. they, they, it's like there's thousands of them just in like a box somewhere, <laughs> like a bunch of videotape, hours and hours and hours of people at like Glenn's Bar and Grill in like Midtown Minnesota. I don't know, whatever. That's fine. I'm good with whatever that, that is. With Minneapolis, Heinz, like, Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's with their Heinz ketchup in front of them. Right. Like they, they just came there for maybe a steak or something, and like they they were treated to a mistake soundless wrestling on a TV some <laughs> projector maybe maybe a projector so De Beers with a Dynamite Kid headbutt only much worse and much more racist than Dynamite Kid De Beers is one was. of the worst wrestlers he's I've really ever bad. seen like he's shitty he, I don't I've never seen anything no. go with him thus far he looks like his name should be Russ Russ Bush yeah like seriously like that Russ <laughs> like, Russ yeah or Rusty I can go with Rusty yeah. Bush no, I can't actually. Yeah. So Diamond skins the cat somewhat to stay in the he's ring. He's supposed to be like a, a Shawn Michaels style yeah, he's of character. Or really something. pulling it off. Yeah. <laughs> Shaving the cat, maybe. Yeah. I don't know if he completely skinned him. Anyway, a big vertical suit played by the Colonel who grunts around and says, I got him now, which of course means he's going to fuck up. Which also reverberates through the echo. Yeah, through like, the empty arena. Yeah. And of course, as he says that, he misses a second headbutt. And then we get a bone crushing knee lift, as Ralph says, by yeah. Diamond. What is this, an action figure commercial? <laughs> Like what? Greg, punch, punch the button the there. Punch the button, Greg. <laughs> punch the button, Greg. So we can see the beers get rammed into the turnbuckle again for no reason. Did anyone work here that was worth a damn by this point? Uh not that I've seen so far, no. We get an awful bulldog by De Beers. When is this over? And it's not soon enough. It's only like, okay, I must say, it's like only like 38 minutes or <laughs> yeah, something like on the WWE Network. It, is, it yeah. feels like an hour or two. It's bad. Yeah. We get that walk brawling that we talked about last week. We get it by De Beers and another cat skinning by Diamond. But De Beers bites his hand. Come on, Mike Awesome. I know. We're uh, cheering for Paul Awesome. Paul yeah, Awesome. Paul Awesome. <laughs> Paulie Awesome. So De Beers drags him back in with some punches and then just gets nonchalantly backdropped out of the ring. And that's it. Diamond wins. Yeah. Punch great. the button. Punch the button, Greg. It's another point for Baron's Blitzers. We're back in the control room with an unnecessary close-up of Ralph's face. Yeah. <laughs> oh my that? god, it was like, it started like at his mouth. Yeah, Ralph mouth. Yeah. So our next match is Sergeant Slaughter who salutes the lady on the green screen, which is dedication to his craft. Now, this is amazing to me because the whole match, Sergeant Slaughter is like... <laughs> He acts like people are there. He like, does. Now, this presents a problem to the kayfabe in my brain because the whole time I'm like, so are we to think that the crowd is, I don't know, like there's like a TV screen facing the wrestlers so they can see the people in Glenn's Bar and Grill, you know, 25 <laughs> miles away right, 25, from yeah. Satellite Center or whatever <laughs> this is, whatever they called it. You know what I'm talking about. The fact that we even have to think this hard about it because yeah, they're confusing. not clear. Yeah. Like, is Slaughter literally have a screen of them, like, I'm envisioning it on those, like, a TV on that rolly thing that would be in your classroom <laughs> in elementary school. Like, Today, the CRT. We're gonna watch a video. <laughs> right, like, but it, it's hooked into the closed circuit to the 
to whatever. Glenn's? Yeah, to Glenn's. Yeah, Glenn's. And it's just the video of the crowd, and Sergeant Slaughter is acknowledging them. Like, <laughs> it's so weird. Oh, God. It really is. It is. So Sarge's opponent is the Terminator. More on him later. But <laughs> Slaughter looks like George Costanza in the Seinfeld like pilot <laughs> his with his hair. It's horrible. All, oh, terrible. So, you know, she called and said she wants to go out with you tomorrow night. God bless. Devil you. And the Terminator is some hairy jobber with a mullet who thinks he's in the Road Warriors. There's a lot of bad hair. Oh, my and, God. And not only that, the Terminator has hair all over his chest. Oh, God. Like, and his back. He's like George Steele with a mullet. Oh, God, it's so bad. Talent. Maybe, like, the Barbarian mixed in. Like, he has a Barbarian face paint. Yeah, it's right? weird. Even the trunks are like the Barbarians, yeah. too. So anyway, Greg, punch that button so we can see the Terminator's hair ripple when he gets punched Great. by slaughter. Yeah. Punch the button, Greg. And Ralph acts like this technology is so good. He's very proud of it's it. It's as if he and Greg are really there. It's so intimate, Joe. But you know what would be a novel idea? What? What if him, he and Greg were just actually yes. there? <laughs> That's the most amazing part. They're like, it's like we're here. Well, why didn't you just go there? Like, like, remember how wrestling has been for the last 50 years? The announcers are there in the arena. Yeah. They could have done that. Well, nowadays, you don't even need to be in the arena. You could just be in the uh, AWA control room, and you could be in any match. Yeah, I guess so. You know um, what Slaughter says? I can't hear you to the empty arena. Yeah. He's trying to drum up the crowd. Listen, I have to hand it to Slaughter. What a pro. Like he's It is. It's it, good. It's like the definition of being able to have a good match with a paper bag. Yeah. Like he's like he's having a good rapport with no crowd. It's pretty good, actually. Yeah. I gotta give him I gotta like, give him credit. He's acting like they're really there. He's like, the only he, one. He, and it's not like it's even like giving him a problem. No, like, he's fine with it. Like he's doing his normal Sergeant Slaughter yep, thing. Yep. And that shows you how uh Bob Remus is is really good or whatever his yes. real name is. Uh, so anyway, we get it, it, it. Bob Remus, you're right. Yeah. Or as uh, Pat Patterson says, Bob Slaughter. Yes, Bob Slaughter. <laughs> Back body drop by Slobber into a drop kick. The only time I've ever seen him do a drop kick, and it wasn't good or anything, but still, at least he tried. And then a flying clothesline by Slaughter from the second rope, and then we get a shot of kids high-fiving. Like, yes, this, are- is a, this is the best crowd shot, because they show these two kids the first time, and they're like kind of enthralled. They go back to Slaughter. Slaughter, like, gets a move, and they're like, yeah! Like, high-five! Yeah. Like, they used... A, they, it's clear they filmed this shot, and they split it up on purpose. Yeah. Like, somebody thought about that. But are the kids at the bar? Yeah, they're at Glenn's. Oh, it's a family bar yeah, and grill? Glenn, yeah, no, that's what I meant by bar and grill. Bar and grill isn't like a bar. Yeah, it's right. Like, it's, a, it's like a restaurant where you take people. Where are their parents? Oh, they're at the salad bar getting, you know, like croutons <laughs> oh, and things. Glenn has a salad bar? It's a bar and grill in the 80s. Come on. How many stars does it have on Yelp? I'm going to say like three and a half stars. Okay, so I'd go there. by the locals, okay, obviously. So the local yokels? Yeah, it, it, it's a real, it's a fun place. You could take your kids on Sunday for dinner. Oh, like four, five yeah, o'clock, sometimes you know. they got live entertainment. Oh, like a blues rock band or something. Yeah, exactly. Get a lot of like a uh, Def Leppard cover bands yeah. too. Yeah, they, they got the early bird special. Oh, that's nice. What like a meatloaf? In, you can get in at four, get out by six. Salisbury go, steak. Take that the kids home, put them to bed because yeah. you know it's school in the morning. Well, they do obviously, their yeah. Math, yeah. mathematics. Yeah, mathematics. And then if they're lucky, if they finish early, they can play their uh, NES. Yeah, well, yeah. Contra too. Yeah. So Cobra Clutch by Slaughter. So Ralph, of course, has to ask for the button to be punched in the middle of Slaughter's finisher. Punch the button, Greg. What was that shit about? I don't fucking (laughs) understand. Why don't they show the replay after he (laughs) submits? Right. He didn't even submit or anything either at the end. Remember this? Yeah, Slaughter just wins. No bell rings, but the ref raises his hand. Now Bischoff comes over with his, like, shitty mic. His mic is still shitty. 
Right, but it's worse. It's like a webcam <laughs> mic this time. Congratulations, big win, despite the fact that Terminator Riggs appeared to want to write his own rule book for this match. It'd be like if we conducted the interview but like yeah, this. Like It's horrible. Like, Sergeant Slaughter, how are you doing right now? <laughs> it's, it's really poor. Right? I know. Like, this is really what it sounds like. Right. So anyway, Bischoff asks if Slaughter is in better shape, and Slaughter's like, I'm in the best shape of my life, as, as he's, he's like, like breathing heavy. He's like having like, a mild heart attack. Yeah. He's like, just he's glistening. Really fucking fat here, <laughs> yeah, man. He's really big, yeah. and his hair is bad. Back to Ralph and Greg, and Ralph is like, there you have it. There you have it. The new AWA. And there you have it. And Greg's, what a great thing. <laughs> Greg has the best line of the night. He's like, it's going to take me a week to recover. <laughs> Ralph, it's going to take me a week to recover. That was the He's most, like, so passive-aggressive, yeah. like, I don't ever want to do this again, like, <laughs> yeah, comment. Pretty funny. So anyway, next week, we get Oxbaker, Yokozuna. Yeah, what, what was his name? Samoan Crush or whatever. What was his real name back then? <laughs> uh, Coquina Maximus, yeah. I think. Wow, what and a name. Mass Jobbers and an actual crowd at a real arena. Maybe. I don't yeah. know if that's just showing those wrestlers or not. Yeah, how is it next week? This is a pilot. How did they know there'd well, be maybe more? Maybe they figured there'd be another episode. Okay. So we get one single credit. <laughs> Executive producer, Vern Gagne. Which makes it like almost like an insult. Did they leave that in there? Like, because maybe there was a full credit, but Vince <laughs> was like, make sure you cut this before you put it on the network yeah. so people know that this was all Vern's idea. We didn't get that rock music, Yeah, there's right? definitely an edit. That's probably why it's only 39 minutes and not 43 right. or something. It was probably some horrible music video right. by the, some bad the band. The only instructions from Vince were make sure you cut out anybody else from the credits because we don't want to embarrass them because we like Greg. Yeah, well, everyone I, likes we, Greg. Yeah, they've even, like, acknowledged how much they like Greg as a company. Yeah. And second of all, like, the rock and roll music isn't there and there because probably they just didn't They didn't want to the pay right. for it. Yeah, yeah, they didn't want to pay for on this shit, really. Like, I don't blame them. Well, overall, Quinn, I can't say this is the worst because it was entertaining in its own way. Oh, it was something, all right? It wasn't good. Definitely wasn't the worst thing we watched. No, it was no just, way. It was a fun little, like, watching this experimental show that they yeah, did. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. it was and a- you know what? I can't say, like, Vince isn't above shit like this because Donnybrook Theater exists. So, like... Yeah, Vince has done some bad stuff in, in his time, in, in too. testing. I mean, Vince has test product bad shit before also. This is just what happens. Like, if, when you're yeah. running a production company, sometimes you try things and they suck and you don't do them. Or, in Vince's case, you air bodybuilding shows on pay-per-view and television. Right. Like, WBF is amazing it's because it's it's an actual product that should have just been a test product, but <laughs> yeah. was a real product. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, starting your own football company. Right. So... You know, I can't give them too much shit. This was a pilot. Right. It, it didn't would, work, and they just didn't air it. And it wouldn't have worked. if, Like, the green screen, it was so hokey. For 89, like, there was much better production going on. Yeah. It wasn't like that was the best they could do. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there, there were better things going on in 89. I think one of the problems with that was, is like, you're right, there was, they could have done better. They could have. But maybe they were, go- it seemed like they were going for, like, hyping how like advanced it was but it that, wasn't but i'm saying that's why that green screen thing to them in 1989 that probably looked futuristic i guess like so, with Quinn. the grid pattern in the back and everything like that was like oh man it looks like they're walking through virtual reality this is like the future right yeah but like in actuality they should have just green screened an arena that they filmed and have that be the background you know what i mean yeah but like, I'll give them this. It's different than anything anyone yeah. else was doing. I'll right. give them that. You yeah. Know? 
it, yeah. it was, it looked nothing like WWF or, or oh, WCW. It, no, it did. Whether that's good or bad, I mean, I think it's bad. But yeah, check it out, fans. If you haven't yet, if you have the WWE Network, it's give an it a interesting shot. curiosity, if anything. And it's only like 38 minutes. It's not really a big waste of long. your time. You could probably fit it in before you're about to watch something else on yeah. the network. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. like seriously, like just, yep. just throw it on, watch the whole thing and be like, ah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. And folks, we hope you join us and throw us on next week for episode number 108. We will be back, of course, with more Royal Rankings. We'll be reviewing something, and something will be on Quinn's mind. But until that time, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't yet, join the group. If you have Facebook, it really is a great time. The Revenge Point Retro Wrestling Podcast Discussion Group. If you want to donate, go to Patreon.com slash OVP Podcast. But until next time, I am Joe Murata. That's Mike Quinn. We will see you next week in December. See ya. We do begin with that breaking news from Manitowoc where a fire has destroyed a bar and some living spaces. The fire broke out around 10.30 last night at Glenn's Bar and Grill on South 14th Street. Fox 11's Emily Dean is live on the scene with the latest. Good morning, Emily. Yeah, good morning, Rachel. As you can see, Glenn's Bar and Grill is no more, and a place where 11 people called home is completely destroyed. The fire broke out around 10.30 this morning. Authorities got the call around 11. The fire is said to have started in one of the tenants' room. That is what the chief told us, Manitowoc chief told us. It started in one of the tenants' room. And they don't believe it to be suspicious, but it is under investigation now. Everyone was able to get out safely. They're working with the Red Cross and Salvation Army right now, and the fire is still under investigation, but we'll be out here all morning. We'll send it back to you right now. Okay, Emily. Thanks. Emily Dean live in Manitowoc this morning. Punch the button, right?